crap. They're evil. Set signs of evil. Now it's gonna have to act so. That's like saying you can auto act the paper bag. And now. Hi, everybody, and welcome once again to the world famous. Yeah, that are hatched from the dead wood. I buy that for a dollar. Those movies where they say, make my day, or I'm the worst nightmare. Well, listen to this one. Lazarus, what's up, dude? Welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me, man. The legendary Mark McKenna. Welcome to the show. Yay. Yay. Thanks, guys. That's the best we can do, Mark. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome welcome to the show. Roundtable show. If you could draw anything for Big 2, man, what would your dream project be? I would love to draw She-Hulk right here on PSN. Welcome, everybody, to the world-famous Roundtable Show right here live on PSN Radio. That's right, psn-radio.com. Welcome, everybody, to uh, this exclusive podcast dealing with everything geek in the world of geekdom, movies, comics, and music. And uh, to my left is the host of the show, the one and only Mr. Zod Ryder. Zod Ryder, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, and I, w- I just want to welcome everybody to the show. Uh, Johnny Alpha. Sa, dude, sa. What's going on, man? Not much, dude. Just a little bummed out about something we're going to talk about a little bit later. Bit of a tough day for me, but and a lot of horror fans, but we'll get to that in a bit. All righty, and we've got Jason Justice. Hey, Jason, how you doing? I didn't do it. But you didn't do it, okay. I didn't do it. <laughs> well, it's good that you're here. That's, that's, definitely, awesome. that's definitely awesome. And, of course, we have the Jackal. Hey, Jackal. That is me, and uh, like uh, Johnny Alpha said, we have a lot to cover, including some very sad news, and uh, we're going to get to that in a minute, but uh, we have a lot to talk about, guys. There's a lot going on. We, we weren't on last week, but uh, a lot has happened since then, and I want to you know, uh, start off with something uh, a little bit light before we get to the dark, and the dark, of course, being what Johnny wants to uh, talk about in a bit here. But let's start with something light, and uh, let's go with Spider-Man Homecoming. It's been a couple weeks now. It's been out. Um, thoughts? Uh, you guys want to go ahead and, and jump right into a, a quick review, each one of you, and uh, give your two cents of uh, the movie, because we've all kind of seen it by now. Is that right? Sounds fun. Sure. Sounds fun. I didn't Zod? watch it. Well, then you don't get to speak. Okay. <laughs> By the way, we do have a top ten list tonight, guys. Our top ten list is going to be read at the uh, end of the first hour. And it is top ten favorite superhero movie scenes of any superhero movie. Any and all. So, uh, is that right? You want to go ahead and start uh, the off crow the... crow counts, uh, right? The crow does Of course count. the crow counts. The crows, man, yeah. It's in my list also, by the no? way. Yes. Damn Yes. yes, it counts, man. Of course it counts. He's a comic book character with superpowers, bro. I think that's, I mean, he's an anti-hero, but he's a hero. He's a, he counts, all right? Let's just leave it there. Good. <laughs> he's, he's, in my, he's, he, he's in my list. That's what I'm saying. Okay, cool. So, uh, Zod, do you want to kick off the, uh, the, the mini-review here on Spider-Man Homecoming? Sure, sure. Uh, Spider-Man it's Homecoming. Sure, bro. I actually, the thing about Spider-Man Homecoming is so funny because I just went yesterday with my girlfriend to see the movie. I hadn't seen it. I'd been so far behind and I wanted to make sure that, you know, I got a chance to talk about it just in case, just to see it just in case we talked about it tonight. Um, I, I really, I was impressed with quite a bit in the movie, but then I was a little bit underwhelmed. I mean, I don't know if that really makes sense i mean i've kind of 
gotten to a point with these Marvel movies that I feel like they're great theatrical experiences when you first go to the movies and you watch them and you say oh this is a wonderful movie but what I find later on is then when I try to go back and if I want to rewatch a Marvel movie when it comes out on video that it really doesn't have much like replay value for me and, and I don't and I don't know why that is because it's not like I don't like these movies it's just that like there's just something about the new MCU formula. And I kind of got that feeling with Spider-Man Homecoming as well. I thought it was a good movie, but then again, I don't know if it's going to be one of those movies I'm going to be able to go back and rewatch like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man trilogy. I, I, I can go back and watch any one of those movies, even the bad third one, and, you know, still, still enjoy them and still get something new out of them. But like Homecoming, felt a little awkward to me but I still really enjoyed the movie like I think Tom Holland was a was a great Spider-Man I like the fact that he was a he's an actual teenager he actually looks like a teenager too and has you know and is more more relatable as like a student and a young kid than any Spider-Man we've ever had on screen I will say that that's the one thing I think that he has above he has above even Tobey Maguire that he actually resembles a high school student, you know, hands down better than any of the other Spider-Men. So it's, so in that instance, I liked him. I liked, there were a lot of good, are we going to do spoilers or we're not really going to do spoilers? Um, it could be spoiler light, I guess. I, yeah, yeah, light. I, yeah, I, I don't really want to say too much, but I, I like, you know, what they did with certain characters where they made, um, uh, like there were a lot of there. Well, actually, there were three specific little twists in the movie that I don't want to particularly spoil for anybody. But Mary Mary Jane was in the movie, but not in the way that you would think. And right. I give them a lot. And I give them a lot of credit for doing Mary Jane the way that they did. You know, it, I mean, they act they they put her in there in such a way where she was kind of almost like a hidden character like out of like a like a video game or something the way that they did they, the way that they did it she was there the whole time but really wasn't and it was it was interesting you know not to uh, cut you off but you know it's funny i had the same feeling when i was watching the uh, the movie the first time and they reveal that who mj is and uh, i was like because halfway through the movie i'm like well you know all that hoopla online about mj being cast as uh you know not a redhead not a white girl and all the social justice warrior crap that was going on online i look at it, it turned out to be bullshit because it's not mary jane but then at the end you know they they reveal that it's mj and and now I was like, they had me by the balls because I never like I didn't see it coming, even though it's so obvious. Right, and I and I, that was the one thing too. In there, I was just like, wow, that was crazy. And it was, they, well, it was a good twist. It really was. Uh, yeah, and and they and they did a lot of great things also with Michael Keaton's character. I appreciated uh, him playing a villain, and I loved all his little homages to. His 1989 Batman. There were plenty of them in this movie. And there, there's actually a great line in there where he just, where he just like totally talks shit about the entire Marvel universe. Like he has like one line where he just like totally rips up the Avengers, talks like it's crazy. Like he's like, I, I really was glad that they had him in there and it was nice to see him in that role. And I was definitely excited about the fact that they did not kill. Uh, Michael Keaton's character either. The vulture what? is still there. 
That's a major spoiler. <laughs> and uh, and I you know and oh yeah, well that's a spoiler light. Well, actually, it is kind of a major spoiler, but I don't care. I like the fact that Michael Keaton is yeah. part of the I, Marvel I, universe. I hate that they keep killing off villains in these movies. So. I don't think that it's such a spoiler to say that, like, oh, this breaks the formula and actually keeps a good character yes. around for sequels. Yes, that, that's another major, major positive I had with the movie. I'm still trying to figure out what um, nationality Flash is. I thought Flash Thompson was completely miscast in this movie. Um, I had a very difficult time with the way they depicted his character in the movie. Did anybody else have a problem with Flash? Oh, yes, I did. Totally. Like, he didn't remind me of Flash at all. He didn't really have any of the, like, character traits. Yeah, he bullied Peter Parker a little, but he wasn't like... He just wasn't like Flash. The, ama- the Amazing Spider-Man got Flash the best. I mean, I know th- those films get a lot of hate, but they, that that was the best on-screen Flash Thompson, and I kind of wish that they had followed a little more in that with this version, so I t- completely agree with you. Yeah, I, I yeah, was just, I was just yeah. off-put... I was just completely off put by Flash Thompson in the movie. I hated the character. His little, you know, his little DJ gig or whatever reminded me of this cheap online DJ I know who thinks he's a DJ, but he only DJs online and he does it horribly. Um, this is. This <laughs> Are you is talking what, about uh, But a- anyway, <laughs> anyway, I, I just honestly, that's that's uh, yeah, that's kind of. Uh, the vibe I got from uh, Flash Thompson, I just didn't like him, and I, and that was so. That was one negative. And Aunt May or May, just May, basically, she's too hot to be Aunt May, but just May, she was really cool in the movie. Robert I Downey Jr. It. Robert Downey Jr. I agree with you in your video review, uh, Jackal. Robert Downey Jr. was a legend. This movie was he was great in it as always. Yep. I mean, got that Iron Man role down so well that it's just. It's, it's funny like hand he, and he, he, like, he's, not, he's, not, he's not in the movie a whole lot, but his presence is felt throughout the entire movie. Even though he his, is. Yeah, like he's, he's on the movie a perfect amount of time. Like he's not there too much and he's not there too little. He's just he's there a perfect amount of time. A and, mentor. Yeah. That's I love what they did with him and Happy. And I, you know, not to jump into your review, I'm going to do my review in a second here. But, um, yeah, he, like I said on my review on video, like, like the way that he continues to master this role is – uh, just legendary. I mean, I love his characterization of of Iron Man and Tony Stark's. I mean, it was nice to see, you know, Pepper in there, too, for yeah. a few minutes. I mean, that was pretty cool, too. That was a surprise because I didn't expect her to be in there. I kind of thought uh, from the way that they were building up, you know, the Marissa Tomei, uh, Robert Downey Jr. thing, you know, from that, like, that romantic comedy, Only You from the 90s. I thought they were going to kind of, like, kind of re- kind of form a relationship between you those thought he was going to pop up and say his name was Damon Bradley and sweep her off her feet there, bro? I thought something was going to happen. Like, I thought yeah, I've seen that movie, too. So, I thought they were going to build some sort of remote romantic connection from them, but I did like the way he kind of played around with Peter on that a little bit, too, in the movie. And I, I really don't have anything really bad to say about it, but I just feel like the movie just kind of left me a little bit I don't know, like I said, underwhelmed. Not because I didn't like it, but just I don't know what more I was expecting out of it, but it definitely wasn't the movie I was expecting either. So I guess that's a good thing. I I, I mean, I don't know, but I enjoyed it, and I thought that um, I think that if you're a Spider-Man fan, you'll like it. They take a Mm -hmm. lot of these, and they do make a lot of changes. Like, if you're a 
like a Spider-Man. Like if you're a Spider-Man purist, you're going to have a hard time with this because this is a little bit, uh, this goes in uh, like its own direction completely. And, um, and I, and I've heard, I read an article yesterday that said that, um, that, um, Tom Holland wants Tobey Maguire to play Uncle Ben in a future movie. I That'd think Tobey Maguire is a little bit young, but considering that Marissa Tomei is is not that old. Um, well, no, if you think about it, it'll make kind of sense, because remember, he's been gone now in their lives for a few years, and he is about the right age that Uncle Ben would be if he died 42. much younger. Yeah, they flashed back to, like, because he, yeah, he right. was, like, married to Marissa he's Tomei, 42, like, five or like, six years say, ago. He's 42 now. Let's say they do the movie when he's like 44 or 45, right? Yeah. Because it's going to be a couple years before they shoot the next one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So let's say he's 43 or 44 when that movie, you know, is shot. I mean, if you do a flashback scene, I mean, it it almost fits too perfect. Then you age him just a little bit. I I think that would be brilliant casting. It would be a nice way to tie in the two universes a little bit. Get Andrew Garfield to shoot him. Get Andrew Garfield to shoot him. That'd be so epic. Get all three of them. That would be pretty cool. No, you know what? Andrew Garfield should be brought back in to play Harry Osborn. That would be cool. Actually, yeah, to tell you I would the truth. Be, I'd be in complete support of that. I think, I think he would be a menacing uh, Harry Osborn. I think yep. he could pull it off because, as we've talked about on this show many times, he has that Norman Bates persona like look that he could just pull i mean it would be great if they did like harry osborne in almost like a norman bates creepiness sort Mm -hmm. of way and you could wow it would work yeah so one to ten what do you give the movie time i have to give the movie an eight out of ten and i just like the theatrical experience for me is definitely like a 10 out of 10 theatrically but i give the movie itself an 8 out of 10 cuz i know it's not a movie that i'm really going to be able to rewatch and i think i think one of the reasons for that the more that i think about it is simply because marvel does such a great job when you see their films really if you've seen it one time and you pay attention to it, you get everything you need to get out of it the first time you see it. So it's not really the kind of movie that you need to see multiple times because you get everything the first time. I guess maybe that's my maybe that's my thing with it, you know, you know, but as someone who does like to rewatch movies and has rewatched, you know, the you know, the movies for example from the DCU multiple times, um I I guess that's I guess that's really my only my only criticism because you know the movie was great. Oh, and my other criticism was that uh, Peter had that nice girlfriend, um, which, which would be another spoiler, semi girlfriend girl that he liked throughout the movie. Liz. He wasn't Jane, Liz, who yeah. he didn't actually get to dance with at the homecoming, and I felt kind of bad for him for there. I said he should have went in and had a dance with her first before. He did anything else, which to me was kind of a bummer. And I would have been bumming too if I was Peter at that age. And, you know, that's. But. Oh, you mean the scene that they completely ripped off of Smallville? Yeah, yeah, that, that shit. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah but here's the thing. That scene. <laughs> I, I'm just being an asshole. Back no, you, it, look, <laughs> even if it was on Smallville, I don't remember that scene in Smallville, but, like, uh, that scene Let's actually shows. No, no, when, when he, when he was gonna dance with Lana, but he had to leave and save everybody, man. Like, it happened. Well, see, in yeah, but this, this is a, well, this is a, a scene that happens, uh, you know, often in, you know, especially when you're telling an origin of a young superhero. They have, there's always that moment where they have to pick between being 
being a normal person and being the superhero, and it, that happens a couple times in this movie. Like, yeah, like the greatest scene, the greatest scene in the movie for me was when uh, uh, Tony Stark is offering Peter Parker the opportunity to become an Avenger, and he and he uh, has he thinks, to make a decision. Yeah. That wasn't a, that That's was a great a scene. Great Scene. like yeah, it really was i mean it like as a from like a superhero movie perspective i mean you're talking about the top 10 being you know superhero scenes that's a pretty good scene like that really yeah. i mean because that really underscores you know you learn who this character is and based on the mm -hmm. decision he makes because i feel like they, they've strayed so much from like established like spider-man canon that peter made the only choice that he could have made honestly it's like yep. So, so I don't know. So yeah, my my ultimate review would be eight out of ten for, eight out of ten for the movie, ten out of ten for the theatrical experience. Well, I I think I enjoyed the movie a little bit more than you did. I'm gonna go ahead and do, give you my quick review here. Uh, I know I have a YouTube video out already on this, but I gave it a nine point five out of ten. And uh, that's, you know, for the movie itself, uh, there's a couple minor things that I can nitpick at, uh, which kind of like not, you know, it made it that I didn't give it a 10 out of 10, but I really love this movie. And the theatrical experience, I, w I would say a 10 out of 10 also, because, I mean, it was a great theatrical experience. Unlike you, Zod, though, I don't have issues with rewatching cinematic uh the marvel cinematic universe films uh, i i love watching every once in a while the first avenger captain america movie civil war is one of my favorite movies ever and i watch it often as well uh you know civil war the winter soldier i mean the, the three do you captain know america you know what are great. you know what I, I just just to say just to uh, amend that a little bit the one the one movie for some reason out of the marvel cinematic universe that i'm able to rewatch the only exception to what i've said for me, for whatever reason, is Iron Man 3. And I don't know why that is. But Iron Man 3, I can rewatch at any time. I absolutely love that movie. For See, all its corny, corniness yep. and weirdness, I love, I love Iron Man 3. Yep. Like, it's a fun movie. It's a, it's a fun ride. The characters are, are, are great in it. The action is awesome. And look, I have no issues rewatching Iron Man 3, Iron Man 1. Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy, my goodness, you know how many times I've rewatched those movies? I love those films. So I, I don't have that issue with the, the rewatching a bit, you know, view, review, reviewability of these movies. I mean, they're very, very rewatchable, uh, to me anyway. Going into Homecoming, I had, you know, kind of a low standard because of the fact that the last two Amazing Spider-Man movies, you know, while they were okay, and uh, they did, you know, box office-wise did okay. They still underperformed, considering, you know, the uh, previous three with Jam Remy. And uh, they underperformed also critically by the fans and by the uh, critics. And when I went to see it, you know, I, I thought they were just okay movies, but they really were kind of going on a downhill slope with Spider-Man as, as in general with uh, the films. So I kind of went in with, you know, an open mind, but at the same time not expecting much. Uh, but I was kind of having high hopes after Civil War because Spider-Man and that was really epic. But again, he was only in the movie for, what, five minutes? So it's not like he was, you know, a big player in the movie. So I still was kind of like, yeah, a little antsy going into this thing. But, what, you know, within, like, the first couple minutes, when you see, like, the, the, the way they set up this movie with Happy and with the way this Peter Parker is, he's a regular kid, and you see this completely different take on Peter Parker and Spider-Man, I was hooked in immediately. And... I'm talking about, like, within five minutes, I was captured completely by this movie. And it's fun to see Peter Parker in high school and going through all these things that high school kids go through. And this is not just a great superhero movie. This is a great teen comedy, 
okay? Uh, right there with American Pie and all these other teen comedies have come out in the last decade or, or 20, 30 years. Porky's, you know, from the 80s. I mean, this is a great teen comedy film, along with being a great superhero film. And it was, action, mi- it was, mi- it was missing the boobies, though, from the teen movies there. Yeah, exactly. but because, because it's, it's, not a, it's not a superhero movie, and, you know, you want to have it, you know, be somewhat not as raunchy as you know those movies but in (laughs) general in general you have all the elements of those kind of movies in here in fact there's even a scene where he's running through the yard of some people and that's a scene right out of ferris bueller's day off so much so they they show you the scene yeah they show you the scene as he's running through through the neighborhood so i mean there's cuts like that when i look at that and i'm like that takes me back to my childhood because that's a movie from my childhood and i love that they reference stuff like that in this film and uh you know the only thing that i didn't like of the too. Huh? A lot of Star Wars references too. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, Jesus, they, they were building a Death Star. For crying out loud. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, that was epic in itself. Uh, but look, which is kind of funny because now they've referenced uh, Star Wars in two straight movies Silver War and in this one. They both have references. So that's pretty cool. They're cross uh, promoting Star Wars with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Maybe one day we will get a cross promotional movie. Guardians and Star Wars. I'm telling you, man, that would be so great. That's going to happen one day. Uh, But look, you know, the cast itself in this movie I thought was great. I really kind of, uh, I I hope that they bring in uh, Tobey Maguire to play Ben Parker. I mean, that would be just incredibly cool. Uh, But the thing is with the cast, and I know that a lot of of people are having issues with the diversity of the cast. Um, Flash, for example, like you mentioned, you had an issue with Flash. Uh, MJ. A lot of folks have had issues with her. I completely turned that switch off, and I went into this movie not caring about the diversity changes because of one simple thing. I started to see this movie as a completely retelling and reimagining of the character and not based on anything canon. You can't go into this film thinking you're going to watch a canon-based Spider-Man movie. Right. Well, well, the thing is, though, Jekyll, um, we didn't have a problem with um, Flash being not white. It was just how poorly his character was conveyed in this version. Here's 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 the thing. I didn't have an issue with the character. At first, it bugged me because he wasn't Flash Thompson, but I don't think they ever call him Flash Thompson. They just call him Flash in the movie. So it's like, I look at some of these characters. Oh, he and I'm was like, uh, he was flat. He was Flash Regish or whatever. Right. <laughs> He's like a Flash kind of character, but it's not the Flash Thompson that we know. Like even MJ, her name is is what Michelle. It's not Mary Jane. It's right. probably Michelle it's Jennifer Michelle. Watson or something. So it's not going to be MJ like we know MJ. And even though I have a theory that this MJ that he meets, it's not the Mary Jane Watson that he ends up falling in love with later on. I think this is more of a foreshadowing to that MJ that he's going to meet in college. And I think that's where he's going to end up meeting her and Gwen Stacy. This is his college sweethearts, Liz and, and Michelle. This is where I think this is going to end up being. But remember, they're, they're going to tell a lot of stories with this uh, young Peter Parker. The great casting of Tom Holland. Uh, I mean, this guy is phenomenal in the role. He Not only is he very acrobatic in nature, so he can do things that you couldn't do with the previous actors. Like when he's hanging upside down, that's really him in the suit, hanging upside down. Before, they would have to get stunt doubles and stuff because the, the actors couldn't do it. But this kid is very acrobatic. He's very young-looking. So you can tell two or three movies of him in high school. And I'd have to, like, rush him right through high school because, let's be honest, by the... Like the first 25 minutes of Spider-Man 1, Tobey Maguire looked like he was 30. So, you know, it didn't really work. You know, right, it, exactly. while 
Toby was great in the movie, and I loved the first two Spider-Man movies. The the actual look was a little bit off, but this kid looks like he's 15. So yeah, I saw him in the press junket recently. He still looks like he's 15 or 16. So he still looks very young, which really plays well, considering they want to tell two or three more movies with him in high school, and then maybe move him on to college, and so on and so forth. And I like the fact that at the end, he turned down the offer to be an Avenger. That's great, because it's going to keep him as you know what he should be, your local neighborhood Spider-Man. Right, Friendly. that's your yeah, your local neighborhood. neighborhood for, yeah, I mean that's what he's supposed to be in the comics. That's what he is in the comics. They they're drawing heavily from the comics, even though they're doing their changes and their twists and this and that. But I like that fact. Maybe in the future we'll see him finally join the Avengers, and and that'd be great. But for now, keep him you know grounded. And I also like the fact that they grounded this a little bit more in re, re, and here's a word we all love here: realism. It's not as uh, cartoonish as the previous incarnations of Spider-Man, while still keeping that cartoonish feel. There's a lot more gritty realness to this movie and to the way the characters play out. Like, for example, the the sidekick. The sidekick is not like some perfect, you know, looking chick in a chair. It's a fat guy from Hawaii. You know, that's a that's a cool like idea. I like that. I love that character. He was awesome. Yeah, that was, was great awesome. Because he's just like a every he's just like everybody. He's every friend. guy. You know, he's got yeah. that, that friend that everybody has. You know. <laughs> And I love the, the reference that he tells him, I want to be a guy in a chair. Like, And we all look at that, and I, I tell you, when the first time I saw the movie in theaters, we're all cracking up as soon as he says that line. Because, you know, how many times have we not seen a TV show or a movie where there is that guy in the chair or that girl in the chair that leads the hero through the, through the, the uh, best the line, The best line, Jackal, when he gets caught and she looks at him and he says, oh, the I'm porn? looking at porn. porn. <laughs> Epic. I love the character of Ned. Plus, he's in the comics. A lot of folks don't know that he is Ned leads from the comics. And he does become the Hobgoblin. Um, there's also another incarnation, I believe, where he's friends with Miles Morales. And I love the Yankee. fact he also... Right, Yankee's he also, the character from um, Ultimate Spider-Man that he's right. kind of based on, mostly. Well, I think it did... Yeah, but here they did like a mixture of him and Ned Leeds. The two, you know? yeah. Yeah, they kind of combined the two characters. Yeah. And I love the fact that they have Miles Morales' uncle in this, uh, you know, and this played by Donald Glover, which for years, you know, fans online wanted him to play uh, Miles Morales. Unfortunately, he's way too old now to play the character, but if they're setting up the character for the future, having his uncle in this and having him be in this universe fits in beautifully, and I love the fact that he's in this. That, you know, those little Easter eggs that, you know, they threw in there, it's what really makes this movie so enjoyable for me, because every time I would hear or see something, that I would catch on to it, and I'd be like, oh, that's so cool, I can't believe they did that, I can't believe that's in there. I mean, there's so many moments like that in, in this movie, which I, I, I absolutely loved. The only thing that I would say I, I didn't like as much, which we didn't get, which, it, you know, it really is a minor thing, because he was amazing in the movie. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of Michael Keaton as the Vulture. Um, I loved his characterization. I thought he was epic as the, the main bad guy. And uh, I thought that he was so good that I wanted more of the Vulture and I wanted to see him just a little bit more in the movie. Maybe they would have cut down some of like the sequence from the dance or something and given it to the Vulture. I don't know, but I mean, that character was epically played by Michael Keaton. And I'm just happy that he's getting back into making these kind of big movies and stuff because I love Michael Keaton. He's one of my favorite actors. So, again, I gave it a 9.5 out of 10. So... And I I just rewatched it again yesterday in theaters, by the way, guys. And I saw it now for the second time in theaters. It's the first movie I see twice in theaters in years. So that tells you a lot how much I really love yeah, this movie. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it shows. So, Definitely. So I loved it. And again, the rewatchability, I had no issues with it. I, you know, the second time around, I actually liked it as much as the first time. So, Johnny, what are your thoughts? 
Okay, I'm going to go in and talk about something you guys both addressed, and that's the rewatchability of the MCU movies. I will have to split hairs between the two of you. The first run of films, like the Phase 1, I can rewatch most of those, but some of the later, the newer Phase, um, I have a bit of trouble rewatching them. Like, I can rewatch Ant-Man, Doctor Strange, a few would like the really new intros, but um, I really have a hard time rewatching like Avengers 2 and Civil War because yeah, yep. I just pick so much apart from them and they just enrage me as a fan after multiple watchings that I just go ahead and leave them alone and just try to like them as much as I used to at this point. But um, getting into Spider-Man Homecoming, um, I don't want to be the turd in the punch bowl, but I honestly didn't like it as much as you guys did, but we all kind of knew that going into it. And, um, it basically lived up to my expectations, which weren't very high for it. Um, not Spider-Man in high, it was Spider-Man <laughs> in high school again, which I personally don't care about. I want to see Spider-Man, you know, I, I've seen him as a kid three times now, so. That, I mean, this was different. They they threw new things in it, and they tried to kitschy it up to so it was more cute and fun. And, and I appreciate the effort. They, they they did a wonderful job. And if I was younger, I'm pretty sure I would have liked it more. I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to say that I wouldn't. But um, Michael Keaton made the film for me. He was phenomenal. He was great. But sadly, like you pointed out, Jekyll, he got the Marvel villain treatment, and he got very little screen time. But what he did get, oh man, he was on fire. I honestly, mean, like, honestly, I think he. And honestly, I think he was probably the second, or if not the first, or the best Mar- Marvel bad guy in one of these of the new films. of the new MCU. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, he was I gotta phenomenal. Agree. Phenomenal. He's right there with, he, right there with Ego. He, I, yeah, I can't pick between those. No, two. Yeah, Ego yeah, you're right. Ego was great. Yeah, absolutely right. I don't, even, I don't even remember Ego. Who's Ego? Kurt Russell e- and Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Well, well no, wait a minute though. But out of but like MCU, if you take Guardians of the Galaxy on it as its own as its own thing, and you talk about these other ones, yeah, I think uh, I think Michael Keaton. Well, tops. Yeah, no, no, he he definitely is. If you cut out the Guardians, since they they don't really tie into the six one six as we know it on Earth until Infinity War, when they finally actually meet each other. So yeah, I guess if we kick Kurt out, yeah, um, Michael Keaton would be the best, and and he was great. I mean, phenomenal. I haven't seen him. Well, he's actually been good since he came back, and. the first film where I saw him where he actually blew me away again, and you guys are going to laugh at me about this because it was a movie I mocked so heavily when it was coming out, was Need for Speed. I mean, he actually made that <laughs> film, too. I mean, he is he is so hilarious and funny. He actually yeah. reminds me a lot of you in that, Jackal, because he's like, this is my show. This is my show. Shut the fuck up. Let me talk to my show. So, I don't um, sound like that. What do I sound like that? You, I've, you've done it a couple of times, especially when you the the um, that that show where you first met Zod Rider and Daryl and, and Ray. Oh, but yeah, but, but 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 come on, there, I was getting crank all yeah. that. was and that was 2012, bro. That was that was a long time ago. That, yeah, but that was a long time ago in the galaxy far, far away. Yeah, but, that and that was also that. my intro to you. So like when I heard him say that, I'm just like, damn, dude, like. Michael Keaton's playing the jackal. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, it's a compliment, <laughs> man. I, I, I ain't dogging you. <laughs> uh, that's funny um, but, but like with the founder and everything, I'm really happy to see him back, and I'm really happy to see him doing comedy again. I mean, he was he's an yes. all right dramatic actor, but to me, he's he's always been a phenomenal comedian, and I'm glad he's embracing that again. And his references to Batman and his trashing of the rest of the Marvel universe was great, like you guys pointed out. But um, sadly, the highlight. For for the film was basically him and John Favreau. I mean, like those two were the most watchable things for me because most of the stuff that I liked that I could have saw was good teenage stuff that was in this film, but it's kind of done already better in the first kick-ass movie for me. So 
I give it a six out of ten. It wasn't. It's not awful. It's a. It's a wow. wonderfully made, made film. It's got good effects. It's got. All right, I'll give it a seven. All right, I'll give it a seven. <laughs> but that, that's as far as I'll go. Maybe when I say it, wow again, Zach, he'll like up it a little bit more. Wow, it, it, really? It, wow. it has wonderful effects, dude. I mean, like it, it, it is really. No, no, but wonderful. Johnny, here's the question: Are you going to be able to rewatch it? Because you said splitting hairs. Are you going to be able to rewatch it when it comes out on video? I, I'll, I'll cross that bridge when it comes. But I mean, like honestly, I don't think it's better than the first two Tugboat movies or the first um, Amazing Spider-Man. I still think that those are better Spider-Man films, personally. And um, I really yeah. hope they. I really hope they grow the Spider-Man up fast because honestly, I don't. I like the character as he is in the comics, and he's he's not a kid. He hasn't been the kid in the comics since Jump from since yeah, like the but, first year of but, the comics. But, 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 but Johnny, you got to remember, they're setting this character up for a whole new generation of fans. They don't read the kind, comics as, kind, as we read kind the of comics, Jackal, you know what I mean? Kind of Jackal. He's only going to be in five Marvel films, and then he's going back to Sony to be in his own universe. So we're not going to get to see a, a Spider-Man after his second solo film in the MCU. No, we're getting an entire trilogy in the MCU, and then we're getting two more Avengers movies. That's a, No, no, no. He signed up for five, uh, five Marvel movies, Civil War, Spider-Man Homecoming, the two Avengers movies, and Spider-Man 2, and after that, he's back to Sony. No, Spider-Man we, 3. We, we read that. Sony we read that. No, you might want to recheck that because they actually have uh, they've literally, like, recently uh, said that he's going to be around for a trilogy in the MCU. Then the after this Avengers movie, he's going to be in two more Avengers movies. After that, um, he might even do uh, more Spider-Man solo movies within this universe. Uh, their their contracts are going to be reworked, man. I'm telling you right now, they're reworking that on a daily basis. Yeah, but if you look at what Sony's doing behind the scenes with setting up their Spider Verse with these Venom movies and the oh, Silver no, that, and Black, but that's part, of, that, that's part of the plan because they're going to allow them to do that within the canon. Also, they're, they're, like even the Venom movie is going to be part of the MCU. They've already announced that. Also, that that, that is what Amy Pascal saying. Uh, Kevin Feige has not agreed to that. Actually, he's come back out and contradicted what that crazy Sony bitch has said in public. So you, you can't listen to what Amy Pascal saying. You actually have to go and read what Kevin Feige says when he says that we have Tom Holland Spider-Man, Tom Holland Spider-Man only, and we have him for five films. Well, we'll see when uh, we cross that bridge. <laughs> so wait, well, how can I? What I have to ask though, how do they? How are they able to do that? They're planning to use the same actor in two separate universes. No, 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 no. Well, the thing is, is Amy Pascal's not completely telling a lie to people when she says that the, their Spider Verse is going to tie in to the MCU because. They have Tom Holland. He signed a contract down the line with both of them, and then he has a six-picture deal, the five Marvel films and then um, the the Sony film, where they're going to bring him in, and he's going to cross over with the Tom Hardy Spider-Man and whoever the hell is going to play Silver Sable and Black Cat and whoever else they try to launch in these movies if they work. Um, And after that, I think that they're just kind of really hoping that – they can buy Tom Holland off or something. I I don't know the end game, Zod. I, I you can't ask me to think Dude, of stupid. If this, if, if the, yeah, that, here's the thing: you can't predict the future. If this guy, uh, you know, does as well as he's doing for the next couple of movies, and uh, they keep making a lot of money with uh, his, this incarnation of Spider-Man, I guarantee you they'll continue going because he's already he's won the fans over. I mean, fans love this kid. Uh, he did great in the movie. They, uh, they love had, him and. Though they, I don't know if they're going to love him when he's not going to be around. 
Iron Man. I don't think, and Thor. I don't think, I don't, I don't think it'll be a, 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 as big a deal at that point because he's going to be set up already as his own character as Spider Man. So you know, I, I don't think that'll be that big of a deal. And they're just going to be retelling or telling stories uh, from a different perspective without involving the uh, the rest of the MCU cast. But it doesn't mean they don't exist in the universe. They're just not in this story that they're going to tell. Uh, remember, every movie that they that they do is an individual story that. It, you know, especially when they're standalone films, they're individual stories and individual storylines, so they don't have to all connect to the overall MCU while that universe is still existing in the same universe. So, I mean, that's pretty much what we would see. Well, I, I, com- I completely agree, though, Jekyll. I mean, like, Spider-Man, he's he's got such a vast cast and such a catalog of right. characters. And There's no need for Tony Stark to be there all the time. He really you know never I mean? needed to be in the MCU. If Sony was smart about it, they could have done something like this on their own. Well, but Sony they, tried. They, remember, Sony tried tried, but Sony failed with Spider-Man 3, Amazing Spider-Man they didn't 1, want to, Spider-Man... Yeah, they just, they failed, they, they failed. To, they didn't want to take the risk, though. See, the thing they is... They did, they took their, they, but they took the risk twice with the Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2, and they failed twice. They played it, they tried to play too safe with it, and then they, they finally got it, the, their idea off the ground to where they think it could work, with, on the backs of Marvel... Which isn't a bad idea, and it's not a bad plan, and I can't believe that Sony and Di- I mean, Marvel and, and Disney actually and, said yes. And, and it's working, and it's working because it's making a bundle of cash. It's getting critically appra- you know, approved by fans and critics. So, look, at the end of the day, this is the right move for the character, and it's the right move for both Marvel and Sony because Spider-Man, at the end of the day, belongs in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, I just hope that... Hands down, he belongs in there. I'm saying just for the fans, I hope they can work something out, kind of like a a swinging clause, where um, they might be open to having Spider-Man appear back, because I think it's going to piss a lot of fans off when they find out that he's not going to be showing up in any more Avengers movies ever again after the five deals are over, you know what I mean? Like, I, I really hope that they can work on that a bit. But even, 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 even though, the Avengers... Even though yeah, I don't care about Johnny, Spider-Man... No, the world, the rest of the world does, and um, I would... Yeah, really, but even I the would, Avengers, even the Avengers, though, uh, even with those movies, like, I don't care if he's not in all the Avengers movies, because eventually you have to change characters in the, that universe uh, also. He, he's not even really an Avenger. Who knows? They might they might kill him off, and you might end up getting Miles Morales in the exactly. MCU by the end of the five films. Who knows what they're going to do? They could I be mean, setting that's... that up. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're so... They're, this, this I mean, is I a, mean a that Donald, Donald Glover no. character... Donald Glover's character was a criminal redeemed for a reason. They're setting up Miles Morales. They want to have, they want to be able to do that. They want that door to be open. So, yep. I don't know about them selling off Peter in film to set up Miles, though. I don't think that that'll work. I think they'll have to work a way around that to they have might, them both. Because who knows? Peter Parker might be, it might surprise everybody, and he might end up getting wiped out in one of these big Avengers movies coming up. Do you remember how bad it was when they killed Peter Parker off in the Ultimates in the comics and replaced him with Miles Morales? Can you imagine if they did that in live action? Just the just the internet war that would happen. It would be worse than this female Doctor Who shit you guys were arguing about before we went well, on air. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. By the way, Jason Justice has not said a word in the last like twenty minutes. What's up, buddy? You, uh, you okay over there? I He's asleep. Jason. I'm chilling. I'm just listening to you guys talk about stuff that I haven't watched. I haven't That's... seen that movie, nor have I been out of my house. So, like, yeah. what am I going to say? Yeah, the previous look, okay, but I'm tired <laughs> of Spider-Man movies. There you go. The, the trailers That's my review. Good. I'm tired of them. 
Well, back to us then, uh, guys. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, moving on. You guys uh, see the, the, the new Ant-Man suit for Ant-Man 2? That looks the, the the stuff that they put out for that. That looks pretty badass for Ant-Man and Wasp. Looking forward to that. Ant-Man and Wasp. That's a that's one of the most watchable, um, rewatchable Marvel movies made recently. Is Ant Man? I can watch the shit out of that movie. And you know it's funny because a lot of folks thought that movie was gonna suck after they lost Edgar Wright. I was one of them, but I know I was, yeah. you were so wrong on that. What? When I saw the trailer and I saw the the train fight scene, like I, that won me over. I knew that the, okay, that movie looks fucking awesome. He got hit by Thomas the Tank Engine. That, that's gangster. <laughs> All right, so uh, Zod gave it. Uh, what was your rating again for uh, Spider Man Homecoming? There, Zod. My rating was an eight out of ten. Eight out of ten, and uh, at ten out of ten, ten out of ten for the theatrical, eight out of ten for the overall. There you go. I you guys didn't have out- all the. Kids, when you inside, there's no way I could give it a ten out of ten with all them annoying little brats that was up in the theater oh, with no, me. I went, seen, I went and seen it last night. About it was about eight thirty at night. It was a pretty packed theater, but I there was no, I didn't see any kids in the theater we went to. It was pretty. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. When I went, it was just a bunch of teenagers and a bunch of uh, adults. Bunch of bunch of geeks and adults. Yeah. Yeah, a lot, a lot of geeks. Uh, again, I gave it a ten out of ten for the theatrical experience and a nine out of nine point five out of ten. I think that's a new thing we should, movie, from so. now on. When we when we rate movies, we should do that. What we give the theatrical experience and then the movie overall. I think that yeah, works yeah. well because really, when you're in the theater, it's it's totally it really is different and it really does add to the experience versus watching yeah. it in a, on video. So. Now, okay. I've seen it twice on 2D. I haven't seen it in 3D yet. I want to go see it at least one, yeah, once I can't more do 3D, 3D anymore. It gives me a headache. I, it gives uh, me a bad headache. I thought I about it 3D. yesterday, but I'm like, man, I get such a massive headache coming out of 3D well, No, 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 the 3D's neat when you're looking at it, but, like, when oh, it hurts so bad after at they're the over. End, yeah, walking out of the theater, I'm, like, practically dead, so no. I, Not me. Yeah. I've had no issues, and I wear glasses, so go figure. Uh, okay, all- those. <laughs> so moving on from uh, from Spider Man Homecoming, next on uh, on our uh, agenda of stuff to talk about, Doctor Who, as uh, was brought on by uh, Johnny Alpha here a little while ago, the gender swapping has been confirmed. Uh, we have what, what was name? Jodie Whittaker. Jodie Whittaker from Broadchurch, who, yeah. uh, uh, you know, unbelievably enough, worked alongside David Tennant in Broadchurch. Right. And, and she was awesome in Attack the Block. She was in Attack the Block. Absolutely, Attack of the Block. And she was awesome in another movie that I I, uh, I checked out uh, of hers. Um, uh, what was it called? Adults. Um, trying to think of the name of the movie, but it was some comedy she was just in last year that was pretty funny. That she, she was, was in, in a really she was in a really she messed up. Like, she had like do- doctor like qualities in that. Uh, it was called. Uh, Trying to find the name of it here. I'll get it for you in a minute. Um, and the part of Zod Rider is being played by Daily Bugle Spidey tonight. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, that's right. I'm. <laughs> I got I got the news story right here, Chief. But um, she was also really good in an episode of Black Mirror. Like um, the entire history of you. It's fucked up episode. No, man, Jody. She, Jody's a, a good actress. Uh, I am worried though. She's hot. With I can't believe I'm is, saying that the doctor is she hot. Is. Man. But that's that's an issue that I have. The doctor has always been a white British male, and look, this is this is not like you know the thing that happened with oh, but Ray, everybody endorsed her. This is an issue that I do have. 
I don't, I have no problems with creating new characters that are female, that are empowering, that are great, that lead the charge for women. I mean, I love that. But don't take something that I love that has been the way it's been since I was a kid and then just gender swap it just for the hell of it, just because the social justice warriors need to gender swap. This is going to kill the character of Doctor Who. Yeah, the doctor. I mean, this is I a horrible Peter idea. Did that. I no, Peter he wasn't. No, Peter Capaldi wasn't bad. It was the writing that sucks for the last four years. It is. It's a uh, Moffat's you know problem as a writer. The writing staff has been terrible. Capaldi's a good actor, and again, they they let him down as an actor. I think that's the real reason why he wanted to leave after three years because he's like, fuck this. This show sucks, man. The, the writing is horrible. So he left. I mean, he, who wouldn't leave that mess? And it's been a mess ever since his very first episode. Let's be honest. There's been moments of brilliance here and there, a couple episodes that are good. But, but the, the moments of brilliance were because of Capaldi, not because of the writing. Correct. That's because the of truth. Acting. Yeah, I mean, uh, absolutely. Real, because of the way great. he portrayed. Like, you can tell that there's a great doctor in him, but the writing has completely let him down. Completely. The writing's been bad since the middle of the second season with Matt Smith. It went, it started going downhill then. It just, it's progressively gotten worse. And now they, you know, now they're going to completely jump the shark with a female doctor. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I, I had an issue with the female master to begin with because again, the master's always been a male, but at least it's not the doctor. The doctor should always continue to be played by similar characters that remind you of the previous incarnation. If you notice every single doctor, while he looks different, always kind of reminds you of the Last doctor in a certain way or trait. This is going to be a complete. Hey, she's a ginger. She's a ginger. Yeah. I mean, on top of everything, you know, she's a woman. She's a ginger. She's a, I don't know. Like I have, again, no issues with women empowering. You know, uh, women with with great roles. Like, look, Wonder Woman, great movie, right? A, a lot of folks loved it. I liked it a lot. I think the uh, Gal Gadot did a phenomenal job. But that's a character that was always a woman. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to swap out. Be Wonder Man, right? <laughs> you feel me? Like I don't want, I don't want to. I don't need that. I don't need that gender swap oh, just for the hell of Wonder it. Wonder Man was my stripper name back in the day. <laughs> Wonder by. Man. That's right. Uh, Wonder Man. I, I heard. I read an article. They're doing a Wonder Man movie, and they tapped uh, Tico Herrera to direct it. He's going to be wow. transgender and everything. It's going to be no, that's transgender, man. Transgender, man. For that awful character, dude. Like, no, but no. no, no, no be I'm transgender for real. In all, in all seriousness, guys. I mean, this is ridiculous. Uh, it's you know, I don't know what the hell the BBC is thinking. Uh, that, one thing that I I, I could come up against you with is it would be one thing if they just went and got a crappy like pop star chick to be the doctor to sensationalize for tweens and twitter uh, tumblr users and stuff but they actually found a really good seasoned actress that's very skilled at both comedy and drama she's she's been in several things that i've enjoyed i'm willing to give her the benefit of the doubt i mean i don't i've never really been like a big Doctor Who fan, you know what I mean? So I Capaldi can't is an excellent actor, and look how yeah, but Capaldi is an excellent actor, and look how they shitted on his character. Yeah, but remember, Doctor. this is a new show right, runner, new writer, everything. So again, with gripping writing, yeah, but um, and good proven, stories, um, proven writers, um, proven writers, um, proven showrunners, and now with a character that I'm kind of like not digging to begin with, and a story arc that they're going to go with, which is going to be confusing and just all wrong. The only it's positive, it's the only positive. Hold on. Hold on, hold on. The only positive about this is that one day she might be able to run into like the number ten, you know, David uh, Tennant, and maybe uh, they could have a romance and they could fuck each other and be like the doctor's fucking the doctor. 
<laughs> Go fuck yourself, doctor. And like, they, hey, I just did. Yeah. They finally there's, a have... movie, there's a movie of hers you have to see, Jack. It's called Adult Life Skills. Check it out. She's got a lot of really cool, like, doctor-like tendencies in that movie. As a matter of fact, I think that's what got her the role. I don't know. I think uh, they should have gone with uh, Idris uh, Elba. And, uh, he's too busy. He's, actually, he's, you know who was up for it? Uh, David, David Harwood from uh, Supergirl. He was up for up for it, too. He was the black dude that was up for it. Uh, for real? They were going to get Suave. Um... Martian Manhunter. He was up oh, for Oh, Martian Manhunter. I thought you were talking about... Is he um... British? Yeah. David Harwood's a British dude. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was up for the role. He was the black dude that was in the running. He, as a matter of fact, he was the only black, black guy. I can't understand what you guys are saying when you over-talk each other, so I have no idea what you just said there, Jeremy. Would you be mad if it was a black guy instead of a girl, Jackal? No, because if it's a British black guy, I have no problems with that. There's never been a black doctor before. They've all been cracker-ass old men. That's what I'm saying. Give me a black British doctor. I'm cool with that. I have no issues with a, with a race swap, whatever. But when you're talking about a gender swap, just because now everybody has to be a woman? I mean, come on, really? Like, that's just ridiculous. That's just that's wrong. Give me an old British black guy. I, I have no issues with that. But it has to be an old British guy. I, I want to see Michael Caine play the doctor, man. See, that would have been great. <laughs> That's what I want to see happen eventually before he dies. Now we got now we got a, a young we got a young British girl. Like really, we need a young British chick. Like she's a, she's gonna be like the female Matt Smith. Maybe she's not that young. She's kind of she's kind of aged for a, a lady. Aged? How old is she? Like in her thirties? I don't know. She's got kind of crow feet and stuff on her on her face. She's kind of getting the beginnings of wrinkles. She's not a spring chicken, really. So it's not like they went and got a twenty year old. Like pop icon girl, like Matt, got like Matt Smith. Matt here. Smith was twenty six yeah. when he was cast as the Doctor, so he was the she's, youngest. Guys, she's thirty five. Guys, she's thirty five. Yeah, she's thirty five. Okay. She's younger. She's younger than me. Okay, and uh, she's, she's younger than. Age. She's younger than the last Doctor. She's a couple years older than Matt Smith was when he started the show. Oh, yeah, and she's the same age. Twenty six. And she's Paul about the same age as he is 70. Now. Most people in the world are younger than him. You can't hold that as like some kind of standard. I understand that, but they, I, I always like the fact that the doctor's an older doctor. In fact, that's one of the things that I was kind of like excited about with Capaldi, because he's an older guy. When they looked like David Bradley might take on the role at the end there of the uh, last season, uh, this you know previous season just passed at the end when they, they show that clip with him and, and Capaldi, I was like, well, maybe they'll have at least a season with David Bradley as the doctor. And that's cool, because the doctor should always be an older British guy, whether he's white or black, I don't care. Older British guy. He's the doctor. I mean, a young British, you know, ginger woman. Really, that's not the doctor. It's completely going against the characterization of who he's always been for 50-plus years. What if they'd have got Tilda Swinton, like they were saying at one point? No, no still no. no Tilda Swinton? She's kind of a dude-ish. No. Okay. What if they would have gotten well, Bruce Jenner? Like I said, if it doesn't, if it doesn't work, <laughs> this is the one. This is the one. Jackal. He's not British. Thing, He's not British. This is the one thing you have you have going though. If it turns out to be failed and horrible, when she regenerates, she'll just regenerate into another dude. That's the good thing about Doctor Who. It's ever changing. So just because there's a woman this time, that doesn't mean it's always going to be that way now. Zaz, remember, remember what happened when they first cast uh, Peter Capaldi, and I said, "Well, this, you know, I like Capaldi as an actor, but if they keep writing, this is going to fail." 
if the writing stays this way and, it's, and every season after the season, I was like, remember we had this discussion and when I would be like, man, the, the season is just terrible. And it's always been, you know, the, and I've, have I not been right to the point that now the ratings are the worst in the history of the last 10 years for the show? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I liked Capaldi and I've actually really enjoyed the I like Capaldi also, episodes, but, but I'm telling so. you, I have, I have a sixth sense about these things. And I am telling you right now, this recasting and, uh, this, uh, you know, this female doctor is going to be the death of the show. So if she stays a full season and they regenerate to a, a proper doctor, then maybe you'll be able to save the show. But if they try to linger or have her like two or three or four seasons, it'll be the death of the show. It won't last two seasons. I don't think it'll be more than a couple of seasons tops because really, again, what we, like what I was saying, it was a demand, it's a demanding role anyway. She might not, you know, you don't know how she's going to handle that too. It's a demanding role. And after a season, she might want to regenerate too. She might be another Eccleston. Maybe. I don't know. Guys, we, uh, we're almost at the end of the hour here. We've got to take a break and then come back uh, for the second hour. So let's uh, go ahead and get to our top ten list and uh, move on from this uh, topic of the doctor. We, uh, we're all kind of uh, set our peace on this anyway. So our uh, top ten list tonight, again, is our top ten favorite superhero scenes and superhero live-action films. And uh, to kick it off, it's going to be the one and the only Johnny Alpha. Go for it, Johnny. I, I got up to my list late, so I only have six, but I'm going to count them down. And number six, I have the diner scene from Howard the Duck with the flying knife and stuff. I love that. Nice. At number, uh, number five, I have the Nightcrawler in the White House scene from X-Men 2, the only good scene in the movie. At number four, I have the subway fight scene um, between um, Hellboy and um, the, the demon in the subway in the first Hellboy film. All right. At the Dining Room Massacre, and number three is The Dining Room Massacre from the beginning of Punisher Warzone. That is so badass. And number two, I have the Blade and Nomax first showdown from Blade 2 when they're, like, falling off of shit and just punching each other all the way to the ground. That's so badass. And a number one, Ant-Man train fight scene. That is just that is just iconic. I love it so much. It's hilarious. Very cool. And awesome. uh, next time, if you need a little bit more time, well, you know, I would have gone to, like, this hard. So oh, my a, bad. A couple more minutes, man. But it's all good. That was a good six uh, there. Uh, Zod Wright, you want to go ahead and get the uh, top ten going? Yeah. Um, go for it. Uh, number number ten, from the Dark Knight Rises, Bane in the airplane. It will be painful for you. <laughs> Love that scene. Uh, number nine, the White House attack uh, from X-Men 2, X-United. Hello. Nice. Uh, did nice. I did I did I, I cut out? No, you're still good. You're still good, man. Okay. Number eight, the opening credits from Watchmen. I love I love <laughs> the opening. I love those opening credits. Those are those nice. are awesome. Uh, number number seven from Guardians of the Galaxy. We are Groot. Shit, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic scene. Yeah. Gotta gotta agree. Anything with yeah. that, that voiceover, it's great. Uh, the, the, uh, and then here's a here's a great scene from a superhero movie that you guys I don't know. The, does this count? This well, this has to count as a superhero movie. Number six from The Incredibles: The Invisibility of the Capes. <laughs> Pixar's Incredibles. No capes. No yeah, capes. No. Yeah. I remember that. Even though they that. stole all that stuff from Watchmen, it was it was really good. It was, it was pretty really, funny really, that they worked yeah. it in. 
really funny. And and you know, it's like they, you know, it's like they say that the that the Incredibles did Watchmen better than Watchmen, but that's just <laughs> which is probably true. I mean, I have to kind of agree there. The Fantastic uh, Watchmen is number, what I call them. Number five, my favorite scene from X Men: Days of Future Past: Time in a Bottle. Nice. The only good nice. scene in that movie. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, four from from the from the X Men Apocalypse. Sweet dreams are made of this. Yeah. Nice. Quicksilver really nice. did make those last two films. No ifs, ands, or buts about that, bro. Yeah. And number three, partly because I, you know, I take my take my nick part of my uh, online radio name from this character Zod. Uh, number three from Superman Two: Neil before Zod. Nice. See, I would have thought it would. I would find him. Epic, no, epic, I did that too. No, because no, because you know that's no <laughs> Michael Michael Shannon. Because we all finally agree that it, it wasn't a good movie. That character, he wasn't the same. It wasn't the same Zod. I wish his Zod was a little bit better acted. But anyway, uh, number two from another scene from the dark from the Christopher Nolan trilogy uh, from the Dark Knight when the Joker does the disappearing pencil trick. It's gone. Ta-da! Yeah, that's a pretty good one, brother. <laughs> My all-time favorite superhero scene is from from Superman the movie, when Superman first takes flight in Superman the movie, when he leaves the when he leaves the Fortress of Solitude after he is granted the suit. It's just done so well, and you just see Christopher Reeve flying off. Beautiful scene. Yes. Awesome. Awesome, dude. Great list. Now, uh, do you have anything uh, put together for us, uh, Jason? Yes, I do. All right. Take it off. Yes, I do. Here we go. Look. Number 10 will be, uh, will be Batman. The first, um, the first Batman. Where the Joker says, you ever dance with the devil by the pale moonlight? That scene is awesome. Um, number nine is the crow that it can't rain all the time because yes. I still say that. I still say that Dude, all the time. I got I got a picture of the crow signed by um, Ernie Hudson, and he quoted nice. that on the picture. It can't rain all the time. Signed Ernie Hudson. Awesome. Yeah. Amazing. I love I that. Love that I love that movie. Uh, number eight, uh, the ending scene from Unbreakable. Wow. When you find out, yes. Mr. Glass. That's yes. amazing. Yep. Um. Uh, to go with Zod, uh, Superman 2, uh, Neil before Zod, cause I just, it was just awesome. Cause he was so brute. I was like, oh, he's gonna kill everyone. Um, the Avengers, the final cutscene, when they're in the, when they're having lunch, after everything is destroyed. <laughs> I love that scene. Um, uh, the Dark Knight, when the Joker blows up the, uh, the hospital, I believe it is, where he's in the dress, trying to walk in heels. Blowing up the yeah. <laughs> in the nurse's outfit, yeah. That's- yeah, it's awesome. Um, another one, uh, the Avengers when the Hulk slams Loki all over the place. Yes, yes. God. Not puny, puny God. God. Yeah, yeah, he just goes <laughs> bam, 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 bam. That was amazing. That caught everybody um, off guard. I remember seeing that in theaters and just like, yeah. what? <laughs> That and when he Number- punches Thor. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody does that. Wow. Yes. Um, number three, Deadpool. 
the drive-by crop dusting. (laughs) 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 Hashtag (laughs) drive-by. Love that scene. Uh, Number two, which was mentioned, the Joker's uh, disappearing trick in the Dark Knight. That's my number two. And my number one is is from uh, Mystery Man. When the Sphinx is uh, teaching Mr. Anger how to control his anger. And he has a hammer on his head. Oh, yeah. And uh, Mr. Anger says, why do I have a hammer on my head? He's like, when you Mm. can balance a hammer on your head, you can head off your opponent with a balanced attack. And then he goes, then why are my feet in this watermelon? And the Sphinx goes, I don't remember telling you that. And just walks away from the scene. (laughs) It's my favorite. It's my favorite. Like, it's awesome. That's that's my top ten right there. That's a great top ten. Thank you. Great top ten. I guess that would be uh, the top ten for you guys. Now it's my turn, and uh, I'm going to start with number ten. The training scene in the shadows with Bruce Wayne and Batman begins, uh, where the uh, the have uh, the uh, the effects of the flower hit him, and he starts tripping out. But you know he's fighting all. He's like going through the training motion with all the other ninjas. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That Thank sequence. You. Love that sequence. When I first saw it in theaters, I was like, I was, I was amazed and mesmerized by that. Uh, number nine, the fight scene in Superman, I mean, in Spider-Man 2 on the train where Spider-Man saves everyone in the train sequence. Uh, to me, that's still one of the most jaw-dropping sequences in superhero movies ever. Uh, number eight, Batman returns. The, uh, the part where he's, uh, coming out and he starts fighting all the penguins as bad guys and he even blows the guy up. I'm like, that's right, for all you that uh, Batman don't kill, that motherfucker kills. Batman kills a lot, actually. <laughs> Batman yes. be killing. Number seven, Clark Kent struggling to open a bottle in uh, Superman the movie. And he's, like, struggling. <laughs> and, and then they open it for him, and it spills all over him. Like, the comedic like timing is brilliant in that scene. Oh, that's awesome. I love Christopher Reeve. Uh, let me see. Uh, number six, learning the suit, the full-tech uh, suit. Of Spider-Man: Homecoming, where he's like first learning everything in the uh, gas station sequence, and uh, he doesn't know what what he does. He starts shooting like electrical webs and like uh, bomb webs and all kinds of stuff, and he's just you know he, like he doesn't know, he doesn't know what the suit does because he just hacked the suit itself. So spoiler, but that that whole scene was just I thought was brilliant and comedically just on point. Um, let's see, number five on my list, going to the crow here. The first meeting with Eric Draven and Top Dollar, the main bad guy, where Eric Draven comes in and he sits on the table and he's like, I only want him. And then that whole sequence where they started, you know, shooting the whole shootout sequence and stuff. One of the, that's one of my favorite scenes in any comic book movie. And of course, rest in peace, Brandon Lee. And, um, number four, the dance off at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy. What are oh, you nice. doing? <laughs> How else do you beat a bad the way guy? Ronan looks at him, man. That's so yeah. funny. <laughs> How else do you beat somebody like Ronan? Dance off. Come on, motherfucker. Let's dance. <laughs> you know? Uh. Number three on my list, the fight between Ben. Uh, oh, no, not Ben. Bane and uh, Bruce Wayne, where he breaks his back and Dark Knight Rises. I like Ben. Maybe we should call him Bane. Ben. He, <laughs> he, needs a nice, ben he needs a nice normal name. <laughs> ben, <laughs> the two of us. No. Bane and Bruce Wayne. Uh, that the whole sequence where he's even telling him about uh, how he was born in the darkness. You know that the dialogue in that sequence was just so powerful. And uh, then we see him actually lift Bruce Wayne or Batman up and breaks his back. I mean, come on, like, that's so comic booky and 
amazing to, to actually be able to sit there and watch. Uh, let's see, number two on the, on the list here for me, Deadpool. The entire highway sequence all the way through yeah. where the uh, the other Marvel characters join in and he cuts his hand off. I mean, like that entire sequence to me was just brilliant. And again, it's number two on my all-time list. So, uh, you know, my hat's off to the directing and the the acting and the, and the entire uh, Deadpool film. But I mean, that sequence is just phenomenal. Number one on my list, and it's a sequence that kind of like it's sad to watch because it's the last movie that he did, and it's a movie that he did so brilliantly. But the the scene where the Joker's hanging upside down at the end of the Dark Knight after he's been caught and he's tired and he's talking to Batman about, Oh, I wouldn't kill you, I need you you know, the, you know, that whole sequence where he's going back and forth. And then at the very end of the scene before he flips to the next uh, scene, there's like a little like tiny moment where it's like almost like pausing or it slow mo's like the uh, the Joker and it just fades out to like the next scene. You know, that whole scene, just the way it's shot, the the dialogue between the Joker and Batman, I love that sequence. And again, to me, it's like the greatest performance in any comic book movie was Heath Ledger's The Joker. I mean, that guy just nailed it out of the park yeah. for me. And it's a shame that he's no longer with us to recapture that role again. But uh, love that movie. My favorite uh, comic book movie ever. So that's my top ten list. Awesome, hmm. man. Awesome. Awesome. So there you go, guys. That's our top ten for the evening. We're going to go on a quick commercial break. When we come back, we got more uh, Geek Talk. And, by the way, we're going to take open lines. So your phone calls, if you want to get in, uh, 786-245-8127. This is the Roundtable on PSN Radio. We'll be back with more. You guys ready to go on break? Yeah? No? Maybe? Yeah. And then another beer. You know another beer? Where? Choking out my own vomit. Yeah. Ready to go. <laughs> That's wonderful there. Yeah, for Sounds real. Sounds good. Oof. That's a good time to go to break. Pop out. Let's do that. saucers alien abduction are we alone information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com the ufostore.com offers hundreds of dvds about ufos aliens crop circles conspiracies bigfoot suppressed science ancient mysteries log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free ufo store catalog the ufostore.com the largest selection of ufo products on the internet the george rodriguez show who i said the george rodriguez show you don't know george rodriguez wasn't he the guy that filled in for neil rogers yes that george rodriguez what's he like Oh, he's a short little Cuban fellow, kind of funny looking. Well, when's he on? 12 to 3, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on SoFloRadio.com and SoFloRadio.net. The George Rodriguez Show is much more than adequate. 
Have you heard Mac Maloney lately? In your military career, did you ever see anything that came close to an unusual UFO sighting or? No. Holy <laughs> That was the yeah. Yeah. 10 seconds of uh, no. What are you That was so convincing. Yeah. What are you trying to say there? Well, UFO is an innocuous term. That's the worst fucking denial I've ever heard. And I don't flying Mac Maloney's Military X-Files Friday nights at 11 p.m. Eastern on the Public Streaming Radio Network. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com Here's a riddle for you. What do the California Gold Rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A.A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. everybody we're back live on psn-radio.com of course this is the roundtable show the world famous roundtable show so much so that we've got international joining us now for the second hour which uh, is going to become a kind of a regular thing i think perhaps maybe i don't know but joining us all the way from the middle east jessine what's up buddy what's up now you had a, a you had a top five list you wanted to, to count down here for the uh, superhero uh, yep. top ten that we, that we uh, did. And the list is ready. Good. All right, give okay. us your top five list. Go ahead, bud. Okay. Okay. Number five is uh, the final battle in New York in the first Avengers movie. Okay. I did Okay, that. number four. Uh, guys, please don't strangle me for this. Uh, Electra versus Bullseye fight in the 2003 Daredevil movie. Uh, I, 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 might have, I might have, I might have, I might have to cane you for that. I might yeah. just tone you. Hang, hang up on him right fucking yeah. now, dude. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. This call's over. This show's over. Yeah. The show is over. You're, you're done on the show, but it's over. Broke- <laughs> yeah. What? What next? The 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 big final fight at the end of Catwoman. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs> no, 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 no. What, what are you talking about next? That Batman and Robin is a brilliant me, movie too. Me, you like Robin? Batman and Robin was fucking horrible. No, of course not. Daredevil was why. worse. At least Batman and Robin you could get stoned and watch and laugh at. Daredevil. Oh. Hang up on him. I'm not kidding. I'm muting okay, my mic. Let me I'm explain. Here. Let I'm me done. Explain. Let me explain. Let me explain. Just continue with your list. Finish your Jesus. list. Finish your list. Yeah. I don't okay, need an explanation. Okay, okay, fine, fine. Uh, number three is uh, the Blade versus uh, No. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Nomac in the in the second Blade movie. Okay. Okay, that's that's redeemable. That's a, that's a good scene. Okay. Okay. And uh, number two is uh, is uh, the the final battle uh, for, in X Men: DC Future Past. 
I thought that was a very good action scene. And uh, of course, number one is the uh, train fight in Spider-Man Two. <laughs> all right, all right. And I like the number one. That's a good scene. Days of Future Past. Uh, Johnny, I know you're holding back. Oh, I don't care. Like, <laughs> at, least, at least other X-Men got to do something in that fight, and Wolverine was stuck in the fountain, you know? Like, it was somewhat redeemable. It wasn't just Wolverine does everything in an X-Men movie like usual. So, I mean, like, it, it, at least that the fight... play about Charles' character arc, him uh, redeeming himself. Wolverine, through Wolverine's eyes. So, I mean, like, I see what you're saying, and people try to bring that to me all the time, but it was just another Wolverine and his bitches movie. End of story. But, um... Whatever, you Wolverine know. Wolverine and his bitches. Yes. As far as I'm concerned, like. <laughs> That's pretty much what it is every time Wolverine is in the movie. Right, though, right. To be honest, you know? <laughs> Look, guys, guys. I, I call, call the X Men films Wolverine and Chance uh, with a chance of other mutants. That's basically what the Brian Singer's X Men films are <laughs> Wolverine with a chance of other mutants. <laughs> okay, guys, guys, guys. <laughs> Hit me explain myself with about number four. No! Okay. There's no there's you, you can you explain know. that. Once you fail, no. Once you fail, you don't explain why you fail. You just let it go. Okay. That's an American okay. custom. In America, once we fail, we don't say, "Okay, let me explain to you how I fucked up and failed." No. In America, L. we just take the L and we walk away. That's it. Take the L. Walk I, I, away. I know. I know. I know. You're, you're not in America. I understand, but that you know that's how we do things here on the show. All right, fine, so if, fine, fine. If, if we Any fail, we just walk away, man. Any explanation? Okay. You can we walked away from a lot of failures, is what we're trying to tell you. So just yeah. leave like us. My first year on the show, I was awful. So oh, he's just—he's cool. in his what his third year on the show, and he's still awful. Look at him, but he's trying hard. He's trying. Yeah, he's super trying. And there, and I would never ever include anything from Daredevil in a top anything superhero movie list, as no. long as it's the worst ever. Because there's yes. no nothing you can tell me that would say that anything from that movie was a decent adaptation of the character. I don't know, dude. The extended, the extended cut Fuck is... Fuck that! The cut is a Fuck that. Bad. There's no redeeming the, the factor in that cut, movie whatsoever. The director's cut was actually a major improvement. In my the director's no. cut is slightly more watchable because it shines more of a light on him as Matt Murdock and it's a little more entertaining, but Electra is... More, it has more, but uh, it, does, it does explain, uh, Johnny, it does explain how the word is out on the Kingpin. The theatrical cut didn't explain. Kingpin. Yeah, the Kingpin is, is a lot better in two... I've fucking seen it. It is more watchable. It's still a garbage ass movie that belongs with Catwoman and all the other mocked horrible superhero movies that should never be mentioned in a Swamp top thing. ten pop. Swamp thing. The Return of Swamp Thing. <laughs> thing two, the Man Thing movie that they made, like all of those. Yeah, no, they 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 are the bottom of the barrel because they were adapted horribly. Ow, pow, and Ben Affleck, he was good as Matt Murdock, but as Daredevil. Me. So, and we have the TV show now, so I don't even know why anybody brings that fucking movie up anymore. Pow, pow. All right, what else we got on the table tonight, man? Are we, we ready pow. to get into the- um, Can I, ex- can I, um, No more explanations. Animal? No more explanations, but go ahead. No, yeah. I'm not going to explain anything, but I'm just going to say, can I at least express my opinion on uh, Spider-Man Homecoming? Okay, we're moving, we're trying to move forward on the show. That was already, that was the previous hour. <laughs> Yeah, we did that. Moving like... on. Moving on. Moving yeah. on. Um, Johnny, what's next on the round table to talk about? Uh, we had a very tragic passing today, as all of us yes. here are horror fans. Oh, yeah. yeah. This man, totally movie, 
greatly impacted everything that we know, we love. I mean, he launched an entire genre that is known as zombie horror. The great, the one, the only, the true master horror, George A. Romero, is no longer with us. And I, I'm just completely gutted. I mean, when I saw the news no, today, uh, it was... Guys, guys, it was on my bucket list that I would meet him before he passes because uh, he gave me Dave the Dead, which still is, till this day, is my favorite zombie movie of all time. It's a real yeah, on, on my bucket list would be a non-interruption when somebody's trying to tell a story. Go ahead, Johnny. Continue. Uh, I'll give you props for not um being for being a little more original than the people that just come up and say that I love Dawn of the Dead. But yeah, um, the man also he made so many other wonderful films that people don't even recognize it. His like he made Martin, which is this really obscure but brilliant film. Yes, he made. There's always chocolate, which is this very esoteric, surreal movie that's kind of hippie, but it's really quirky and funny. He made Night Rider, which is this movie with Ed Harris about this traveling Renaissance fair where they joust on motorcycles, and it's just odd as hell, but it's a wonderful movie. I mean, George A. Romero had a vast career. He made wonderful films all the way around. Most of his better stuff, in my opinion, went unrecognized, like his original version of The Crazies and Season of the Witch. Um, and it really is just a tragic passing of his, man. I mean... Um, I was just going to go ahead and give my piece, and I figured you guys would want to say something, too, since I know we're all fans here. Yeah, look, I mean, I've dealt with way too much death in the last few years, and uh, it seems like every year now we're losing so many, uh, you know, big names uh, from the 80s and 90s. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for this man, the zombie genre would not exist to begin with, I believe. Uh, so, this is a, this is, you know, it's another tragic, uh, loss in the world of horror movies, but, uh, what a, what a huge loss, man. What a huge name. An amazing director, amazing filmmaker in general. Zod? Yeah, I, yeah, I have to agree. I mean, it's, 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 it's horrible. I mean, he's done so much, he's done so much for the genre, too, and not just, aside from the fact that he pretty much birthed it, but, yeah, I, I have to think, I think about, uh, some of the other films you mentioned, Johnny, like uh, Martin and a couple of others. Is somebody sneezing? I... Somebody so, had sorry, an orgasm had... there. Oh. <laughs> no, I had a really bad problem with my lungs. Oh, well, mute, mute yourself unless you're going to speak. Yeah. So, so, the this is radio. The audience will need to hear that. All right. Sorry. All right. Go ahead, but Yeah, I think, uh, I think it, it's... It's what what's there to say aside from yeah it's it's a tragedy but he left us with such a wonderful legacy of of films and it's he's going to be missed. I'm still hoping at one point maybe he might he might relent and come on the Walking Dead and write a badass episode. Yeah, I was hoping. There's I, no such thing. After season hoping. two, they don't make badass episodes of Walking Dead anymore, man. <laughs> Even, I mean, like, like Romero would have tried his damnedest, but I'm sure AMC would have just gutted it and turned it into a normal soap opera episode where Rick cries and <laughs> Coral, Coral. Step back, Coral. But yeah, no, I'm. I was actually hoping that he would come back and do another. Um, dead film and because uh, how low survival of the dead is ranked by most people i was kind of hoping yeah. to come back and do another really strong one and bring that shit back up but i mean um, i enjoyed diary of the dead and land of the dead um that he directed but yeah survival of the dead was really bad that was that was bad but but and okay so he never he never did another one after survival of the dead that is the final one that's that the last movie he did directed. comic books he did comic books that took place yeah. after it but um after that that he didn't do any films 
Wow. And I, and I just watched an interview that he did not too long ago. It was like a sit down at some college or something. It was a not really, really nice in depth interview. And he talked a lot about the films and it talked a lot about how he turned down being invited to, uh, be on Walking Dead to, uh, do right for Walking Dead several times. Apparently they really wanted to get him. Of course, this is the master of the dead genre, of the zombie genre. I mean, well, wouldn't you want to get him involved somehow? I mean, George, I mean, remember, Night of the Living Dead in 68, that birthed the genre of the zombie genre. Before that, yeah, there were zombies in, in films, I'm sure, but not the way depicted as in that film. And, you know, for, for all you want to say about, you know, The Walking Dead and the, the zombie genre now, if it wasn't for George Romero, none of that would exist. So, of none course, of you're going to go... You, you're going to want to get him involved some way or some form. But I love the fact that he did his own thing. He did his own movies. He never conformed to the, uh, the Hollywood type of movies that, you know, they wanted him to make. Uh, he made his, you know, his movies his way. Even when he produced stuff, uh, you know, the production, you know, end of his stuff was always the kind of movies that you'd think that he would direct. So, I mean, legendary. I mean, that man was a legendary filmmaker. He did what, like 15, 16 movies only as a director, but I mean, in the span of from 68 to 2009. Well, I mean, another thing is he worked he- really heavily with Stephen King there for a while. He did, like, Creep Show and a couple of other things. Right. Yeah. And Stephen yeah. King actually coast, um, would actually do cameos in his films. Like, he's really funny. His little walk-in on um, the sh- movie Night Riders is hilarious. Like, it's, yep. if you've never seen the movie, actually just watch it for the Chris- um, Stephen Riders King thing And a guy who was steadily working. I mean, it's not like he disappeared for, like, decades. You know what I mean? From 68. I mean, he every few years he'd drop a movie, so he was suddenly doing something, you know, in the genre that he loved. So, I mean, how many of us would not love to be able to do that? You know, to like live the rest of our lives just making the the kind of movies we love to make, you know? And screw right. what everybody else thinks. I mean, the guy lived the dream, man, and uh, it, it's uh, going to be sad to like you know know that we're never going to get another dead movie from the master George Romero. Yeah, well, it, it, it's much, much the same, much the same feeling as when uh, Wes Craven passed away too. You know, yes, the, yep. You know the same, the same kind of thing. You know, you're never going to get it again from the master, but it's great that the le- that that legacy is still there. Yeah, I know when yeah. when they did Scream well, uh, Four, actually, I was I was holding hope that he would have it in him to make at least a, a reboot of Nightmare on Elm Street and direct that. Uh, and, you know, sadly now, we, of course, that's never going to happen. But uh, yeah, no, I completely agree. That's like the same kind of loss as when Wes Craven, Wes Craven passed away. Definitely. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the dude did one of my favorite horror movies, which is Tales from the Dark Side. Oh yeah. Pow pow. Yeah. All of his anthology yeah. horror movies was great. Wonderful. That movie was fucking awesome. I loved that and Creep Show. Mm. Oh yeah, epic. Oh, Creep Show was good. The episode with the old guy that wanted his cake, man, that just, oh, that has me rolling every time I see it. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> Hell, yeah. I love those I mean, movies, he, Even some of his lower, like, you know, end movies, like Monkey Shines, still, like, were fun movies to watch. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was, it's a, it's a, it's a quirky horror movie, but it's, you know, it's still a fun movie to watch. Bruisers. Uh, that, was another, that was another fun movie to watch. The Crazies, you know, it's an old ass movie, but and that was remade also, and he produced the remake, I believe, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, I remake. Really like yeah, but it wasn't, better it wasn't as remake. good. Yeah, uh, I didn't actually like the remake. I prefer the original still. Okay. Johnny. 
I thought in the grand scheme of thing, like the the remake was actually one of the more better horror remakes that have been made. But the original, um, I don't know. There's just something about those '60s movies, the the, the low production value. Just they're a little more creepy than anything that gets poured a lot of money into it to redo. In my opinion, I just find something a little more genuine in those old classic, really creepy horror movies like the first Crazies. Because unlike with Night of the Living Dead, where you had actual creepy skeleton zombies walking around, this was just your neighbor. That went ape shit. Now he's coming after you with a rake and stuff. You know that that that's 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 scary shit, man. And Romero, he yep. he knocked that stuff out of the park real well. And as well as some people have remade his stuff, like Tom Savini's remake of Night of the Living Dead, which is phenomenal. I like um, Zack Snyder's remake of Dawn of the Dead. Um, I'm not going to talk about the Day of the Dead remake because that's just awful. But um, you know, See, what uh, I mean, like vegetarian actually, zombie, seriously. He's actually one of the most lucky horror directors to actually have so many good remakes under his belt, as long as, as well as having great original films as well. That's that's kind of a cool thing that he has to his legacy yeah. as well, in my opinion. Yes. Yep. Man, it's sad we're never going to see another interview with uh, George Romero and his goofy glasses and goofy smile. I love that man. He's mm. one of a kind. I met him in like I met him in like 2014 at a con. Mm. Yeah, me and my buddy Fernando went out there fucking. Say what's up to him. That was cool. We didn't lie for a while too. Yeah, he yeah. was he was really nice. He was really really nice. That was cool. And you know it's funny because he's not one of these guys that uh, got out to a lot of like you know interviews and stuff. He always kind of kept a low profile too. Which uh, as a director, you know, even when they were doing like they would do like the press junkets a lot of the movies, and a lot of times he wouldn't go. Like they would have like the staff or the the, the cast and the crew and stuff go and. You know, there's, there's been a few that he wouldn't really participate in, just because he, he always kept a low profile. He let them really speak for themselves, and they did. They really did. Oh, so. they sure did. Great guy. Yep. Uh, Monkey so Shines, was that the one that he made? Um, with, was Monkey Shines the one where the, the guy that um, became crippled, right, and the, he had right. the little pet monkey that um, became yep. homicidal? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that movie's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. yeah. That movie's yeah. great. Uh, I was making sure I just had the right movie when you mentioned it earlier. <laughs> No, it's it's funny because like even those kind of movies are still like fun to watch, but like even like his lower end like you know whatever movies, oh, they're yeah. still fun. Like I, I don't think there's been a movie that he made as a director that I, I didn't find some enjoyment in watching. Just you know, even the bad ones. Like and there's very like few directors I could say that about. Like you know, give me any director in the genre, and I'll tell you that they're movies that I just can't watch. You know, period. Uh, but he's yeah. one of the few that actually any movie I could just turn it on, even if it's a bad movie, I I find enjoyment in that film because again, it's George Romero and his quirky sense of like timing and you know the way he shot. You know, the, actually, what, one thing I do love about his films is the way he shoots. You know, cinematically the film, the way it looks. Uh, a lot of times, the cinematography is really on point for what he's trying to get done. I'm on a low budget because a lot of his movies were very low budget. And a lot of the folks don't know that. Um, he really didn't like have hundred million dollar budgets in his films. So, what he got to do with the budget he had as a filmmaker was pretty amazing. I think That's the original Night of the Living Dead was made for like, um, I think it was like twelve thousand dollars. The first night was made for. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah, he made that. So, yeah, he I mean, made that like, count, dude. He made that work. Yeah, dude. Like some of the actors got paid some stupid, like fifty bucks to appear in the in the like to be zombies or some shit like that. Or some dumb. Well, this this was as ghetto as uh, the longest <laughs> day. Remember that you and I and, uh, and oh the what, the movie that I did with <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah the way he shot the that was as day. ghetto as when we shot that. It was just like a bunch I of friends. We shot together. the longest day. 
Yeah. Yeah, I played a pimp called, uh, called, uh, called, uh, Seymour Cletus. Seymour <laughs> Cletus, the pimp, yep. That was, and my, I, that was... <laughs> I, I played, uh, I played a senator in this thing. You, yeah, and, yeah, and, and, and we're trying to protect your daughter yes. from me. <laughs> the pimp. The only other director I could think of that was consistently on point as um, Romero, who he's still alive, but he doesn't work much anymore, is John Carpenter. Like, he's the only other guy I know that does horror and yeah. just consistently makes stuff. Uh, by, by the way, guys, by the way, guys, uh, John Carpenter actually openly said that he would like to make a live-action uh, Dead Space movie, and I think we should give him the chance so he can finally make a video game movie that's actually fucking good. Hmm. I don't know. Most of them have let me down, and I pl- I've been playing video games all my life. Yeah, and most I mean, of those video John- game movies let me down. Yeah, trust me, too. John uh, Carpenter like is actually a hardcore gamer. I know he goes to E3 and stuff like that, but I mean, the thing is, is I I like his movies for the same reason I like um, Romero's. They're they're cheap, they're fun, and I, I would rather him make a sequel. I would rather him make a sequel to Ghost of Mars than to see him make some and fucking there, EA and there, I can and they're that. his own movie, and they're his own movies. I mean, there's most of the stuff that, that he does is original work. It's not, you know, based on somebody else's shit. So. I read an article that the said he's, he's going to do a, a sequel to Big Trouble in Little China. Is he really doing a shit? Sequel? It's a comic book. Him and Eric Powell put it out. Boom Studios. It's it's fucking amazing. Dude. No, I read that comic. The comic book that was a crossover between uh, Big Trouble in Little China and. Uh, um, Escape from New York. Yeah, that was pretty great. But uh, but he he did an entire um run with Eric Powell, the guy that writes the go- writes and draws the goon for um Big Trouble in Little China, and it basically takes off right after the end of the movie with Jack Burton and the the crazy little lion monster guy that was on the back of his truck and the weird adventure they have, and then it ties back into coming back to Chinatown. It, it's really epic if you're a Big Trouble in Little China uh, Big Trouble in Little China fan like I am, you really got to check out that. the Boom Studio series because John Carpenter actually co-writes it with Eric Powell, so it, it's. You got two of the best oh, like masters cool. of horror from comic and film. Awesome. Well, here's a question for you guys: Would you like to see a reboot, remake of that, or would you like to see a sequel? A sequel. Sequel. I don't want to see sequel. the Rock and Big Trouble in Little China, man. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I won't yeah. see that. I'll sequel boycott that. I won't see that. Yeah. Now, the, the question rock. here is, though. I mean, if we're talking about a sequel, are you going to recast all the main characters? Because no, Kurt Russell's getting up there in age. Fuck guys. no. Yeah, you want to see Jack Burton. Yeah, you still want to see. Yeah, the fact that Kurt Russell was in Guardians of the Galaxy, he's been popping up in all these films. He could do it. He could. They could get him. And and the fact that Tom Cruise is fifty years old and he's still doing stunts. Why couldn't we get them back in check? Yeah, but Tom Cruise is a completely different animal. Like Tom Cruise has been doing action films for many many years now, as opposed to uh, you know Kurt Russell. Slow down. He does more dramatic roles. Where yeah, he's not an action guy. So is Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, well, Sylvester Stallone. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Sylvester, Stallone is a cut, uh, Sylvester Stallone is a, a cut above them all. He's 70 years old. He can kick all our asses. I mean, that guy is uh, a cut above the rest. I mean, he's he has the body of a 30-year-old, and he's 70. So we can't compare him to anybody because he's like he's a freak, that guy. He's a human growth hormone He's a fucking freak. superhuman. He is. Now, I'm not saying that Kurt can come back and maybe play Snickers more athletic roles, but if you remember, Jack Burton wasn't tough. He was a dipshit, and any time a fight actually happened, he'd shoot the ceiling and knock himself out, you know, or, you know, something goofy would happen to him. He didn't actually ever do anything too action-packed in the movie, so I so, think... But it would have, 
It would have to be a sequel set 30 years in the future, though. It couldn't be, like, right after the events of the last one. Yeah, I mean, that's true. It has to be a hiatus. Yeah, they'll have to lag it, of course. I mean, that's... Maybe they could get Kurt Sun to play it. Kurt Sun looks a lot like him, and I think they could deck him out to look like a young... um... What, you mean if they did, like, a prequel? (laughs) Yeah. I guess he is too young to play Jack Burton, because, like, at least Kurt was, like, in his 30s when he did that, and his son's only, like, what, in his 20s, maybe? Yeah, and, uh... I think they should just leave well enough alone. As much as I like the sure. film, I think it's fine the way it is. And, like, comic books and maybe a video game for a sequel will, will suffice. You know, like Ghostbusters. I, as long, I don't want another Ghostbusters if you're not going to get me Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd. You know what I mean? And I don't want to see Big Trouble in Little China unless you're going to have Dennis Dunn and Jack Burton and um, Victor Wong running around. You know what I mean? I don't want to see The Rock and Jackie Chan in it. You know what I mean? Like... And have it be some awful rock movie that comes out this summer and nobody goes and sees it because he's totally worn out his welcome in Hollywood. No, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, because yeah, because yeah. he's the Rock in every film that he plays. He's never. That's the thing about. That's the trouble with the Rock. He has no acting range. His acting is all the and Rock. He's just here. he's just like Ice Cube. No, Ice Cube's a no, much better actor, no. bro. No, actually, in every single movie, he's just Ice Cube playing Ice Cube. Now, see, if you said Will Smith, I'd agree with you. Ice Cube, he at least, um, he has the Craig character where he's kind of like the goofy, like, stoner guy, and he has hardcore Ice Cube characters. So he's got two. He's a little more varied than, like, The Rock. He was also ghetto, he was ghetto Doughboy, remember? Boys in the Hood. Yeah, yeah that Doughboy was deep. Yeah. Yeah, man. Don't, don't be sleeping on Ice Cube. The Ice Cube is the shit. And then he was like the concerned like stepfather, and are we there? Yeah, he's got a couple characters, man. He's yeah, not no, just... yeah. Ice Cube is a great rapper, but as an actor, uh, and, I and I think I think he's gonna nail it when they finally announce him that as uh, the next uh, Jonah Jima Jameson and uh, oh, Spider-Man fuck no, too. fuck no, I do not want to see that. Yes, that's, not... gonna, that's gonna happen, and I'm gonna I'm gonna love it. That's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. That's gonna happen no, because no, again, nobody could replace Harry White. Harry White no is played by Lawrence Fishburne now. Why so. not? Yeah, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. By by the way, the Rock in Jumanji. Who the hell thought of that? That's stupid. Uh, I want to strangle anyone to death who ever thought of that cast. His his name is Tom Rothman, and he is the CEO at Sony, and he was also the CEO at Fox that put um the Deadpool movie on infinite hiatus and wouldn't greenlight it. So yeah, no, he's he's kind of a genius of Hollywood. He's he's held in very high regard. Old Tom Rothman is so. That's a little wa- reason why I was worried earlier about Spider-Man going back to Sony, being handled by that Dingleberry and Amy Pasquale. Well, the the Rock also is rumored to be Jack Burton in Big Trouble in Little China remake. No, that's why I mentioned it a yeah, minute yeah, ago. I and know, I it's watch, watch, I don't watch. No, sorry. <laughs> Not if you want to go on the dark web and buy myself an at-home lobotomy here's, here's your thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I love The Rock. I'm going to be honest. I love a lot of his movies. I think he's a great actor for what he does. Not that he's a great actor, but he's great at what he does playing The Rock, playing that character. He plays it well, and and I like a lot of his films because of him. Because he's a cool dude, and look, I'm a Miami guy. He's a Miami guy. You know, we we love him here because of you know a lot of uh, you know history that he has with us, and uh, and all that jazz. Uh, but there's there's there comes a time and a place where you could say, okay, somebody's getting a little bit oversaturated, and it's just a little bit too much of the same thing. And when you talk about you know properties like Jumanji, Big Trouble in Little China, 
you know, when you talk about the, the journey to the center of the earth, why does he have to be in every big movie? Why, why, why do you have to have a Baywatch movie featuring The Rock? I mean, wh- yeah, why do well, we need that? That you know, didn't make any. That. that didn't really make any sense, honestly. At all. Jumanji, I mean, totally not. For what? Makes no sense. <laughs> Look, Jumanji was great with uh, with the late legendary uh, Robin Williams, and I would hate to see that completely rebooted because uh, you know it, it was great the first time. I think you know sometimes certain movies like ET should never get touched ever again. And well, they Jumanji have solid endings. Well, you, you didn't hear about that. You didn't hear about the ET reboot with The Rock. Shut the hell up. <laughs> Uh, they're rebooting gonna... E.T.? Yeah, and The Rock's going to play the alien. He's gonna, It's going to be really weird looking, but like Whoa. basically it's just going to be like half Rock walking around on his hands being all, Yo, <laughs> Elliot! What was the he's going to lay the smack down on all the, uh, the FBI agents after. <laughs> yeah. no, I, I want to strangle anyone who thought uh, rebooting E.T. was a good idea. It, it was a joke, first of yeah, all, but yeah, still, <laughs> still. Even even I know that was a joke, but it still would suck. Because but... yeah, there was no, there's no way that's gonna ever happen because they already said. Uh, when I say they, I'm talking about Steven Spielberg said that they would never remake ET. That's one property that would never get touched again. And uh, in fact, he had his script for ET two, and uh, he said he looked it was at more it. Like it was, a horror it was, movie. Well, th- there was one cut that was a horror movie. There was another cut that was more of that along the lines of the first. E.T. and it was a little bit more friendly and he said that he looked at the scripts he looked at what he had, he looked at the original movie and he said, you know what, I don't think we should do this, I don't think we should touch this property again, this is a classic, leave it alone and I agree with that, some movies you leave alone, you don't go back to, you just let them be because they're they're standalone, beautiful classics uh, they have a beginning, they have a beginning, a middle and an end and once that ending is done I, you know, I love revisiting characters and revisiting you know, things I love, but that's when I rewatch it later on in the future right. what I would love to see is, I would love to see them re-release E.T. every 20 years in theaters with, you know, better special effects if they have them, uh, if it's available, uh, you know, a better uh, 4K cut or 10K cut or whatever it is in the future, whatever you know, K we're into uh, you know, stuff like that, I would love you know, 3D E.T. In, in theaters, that'd be great but leave E.T. the way it is. Well, leave well, from these what, films alone. Also, yeah. from what I read, though, his, his scripts that he was going to make um, E.T. 2 out of, one of them became Close Encounters and the other one became um, Poltergeist. So um, we actually ended up getting two more wonderful films out of him from his rejected ideas because he decided to rework them and actually turn them into something that was actually better than just a horrible rehashing of E.T., which I actually find more rewarding and wonderful than just him trying to do a cash grab, personally. Mm. That's impossible, though. What? Uh, you know, you realize Close Encounters came out in '77, right? I thought that I thought that I'm Close Encounters was originally based off of a script called Night Skies that was supposed to be like a horror version of ET. Mm, kind of, yes and no. But then Science really. came out. Yeah. No. And uh, guys, guys, to me. The only way Hollywood can make a good remake is if they remake something that's a piece of shit and they make it good. That's the only way they can make a good remake. That's not true because Zack Snyder remade Dawn of the Dead sure. and the original yeah, one was actually really good. And But his remake came out and it was written by James Gunn. And he really didn't remake the movie per se. He just made another movie about zombies in a mall, you could argue. But it's technically seen as a remake and it's actually, in my opinion, one of the greatest remakes ever so that that's not entirely true i mean like i guess that that's the easiest way to try to make people swallow the idea of 
being handed a remake of something, but um, every now and then a remake of a good movie actually works rather well. You know, Actually, the 80s what? were a great time for remakes. We had the remakes like uh, The Fly, The Thing, yep. Scarface, you know. See, but the, the Fly, the reason that movie was great, because you're taking a property that was like 50 years old, and back then the medium, or maybe not that old, like what, 30, 40 years old, but back then when the original was made, you know, you didn't have, you know, color TV, uh, you didn't have technology, uh, special effects the way they had it in the 80s. At least in the 80s, while it wasn't that advanced, it was much more advanced than back then. So you could actually tell a proper adaptation to the fly and look if they even did the fly now it would look even so much better the only problem is if you tell the fly today the quality of the storyline and the acting is what you're going to drop because that's what happens with a lot of these remakes they spend so much time so much time building the special effects and making it look nice and then they don't concentrate in, in story development actually having a good storyline a good uh movie that, that you know that doesn't uh confuse the audience it doesn't completely let you down by the third act uh you know they, that's the main issue with a lot of these remakes is that they just they suck because of that not because well, visually they suck it's because the story and the directing and, the, and that's what really makes them you know because yeah, visually the last nightmare on elm street movie the reboot was visually beautifully shot the problem was the story sucked and the casting was horrible well, and then another Making thing that they, they make Whitaker a child molester. Seriously, they they make Whitaker well, no, a child molester. No, 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 no. He, he's, he's always he's always one. he's always he's always been a child molester. That's been the inception of the character. No, he movie. was actually a child murderer and a rapist. No, no, no. He was yeah, a child what a, molester. Yeah, a child rapist. That's a child molester. That's a, you just yeah. said what that said he wasn't. So, but um, what what Correct. you're talking about, Jackal, is is totally true. The problem nowadays is. There's no people like David Cronenberg, John Carpenter, and Wes Craven that have that kind of mentality and mindset who want to make a horror film in Hollywood now. The people that are actually maybe gifted enough to do it, like people like Christopher Nolan, David Fincher, and so on, they've moved on. They want to make dramatic films, so basically the people that could probably make a really good Fly remake nowadays or a good Nightmare on Elm Street, they don't, they're not interested in it. You know what I mean? And those are basically the closest we have to people that are like Carpenter, Cronenberg, and... Um, right. Craven and the, the the talent pool for horror directors right now is very stagnant, especially in the in the studio system. I mean, studio horror is it just well, needs it, to it, stop it, for a while. It, it, it. Yeah, the thing is, you know, horror movies are cyclical. I mean, they, they, it goes through this uh, regimen, you know, and it happens, you know, through decades. Where it, you know what? They, they don't do that. Hold on. There's a time where they, they're very popular, and you have an influx of directors that come in that just out of nowhere start making great horror movies. And then for some reason, the genre just dies off, and it happens periodically. And we're going through that phase right now where it's kind of like dying off a little bit because, we, like you said, even the directors that are involved are not that good, and there's not that many involved. I think that's why you're seeing some comedians jump over to the horror genre. And you see like a Danny McBride make a Friday the 13th movie because they're trying something different because they're kind of stuck where they're at at this point. Well, um, and one of the thing is, is comedy and horror have gone hand to hand. Um, Wes Craven, his first couple movies, the, the main villains in them were played by low-rate um, stand-up comedians that he was friends with that um, – he kind of talked into coming in, and they actually played genuinely dreadful, terrifying characters. So I'm actually kind of more interested in seeing what more comedians coming in and trying to play with horror could do, since that played such a key part in, like, Tobe Hooper and Wes Craven's early films. Well, look They'll at get, Jordan Peele with Get Out. I mean, uh, there was something comedian. That's just what I was going to say. They'll get Jordan Peele to come in and do Nightmare on Elm Street. I'd be all for that. Hell yeah, uh, Jackal. 
Uh, uh, Jackal, yeah. just to expand upon your point about uh, remix being visual appealing, uh, not every single remake is visually appealing. I mean, you have uh, the the remake of The Haunting, which had god awful CGI. Yeah, but that that movie came out at the beginning of CGI. That movie came out sometime after the first Mummy, and I mean, as much as I love the first Mummy film, its CGI is dated as hell, bro. I mean, I still watch yeah, but, it. I but enjoy the problem it, but... is. Yeah, but the hunting the CGI was it was still it was still better like CGI than the original one from the sixties or whatever the hell that came out. I mean, it's still it was still visually a better looking movie while the movie sucked. The CGI was great movie. for the time it came out. Now it's dated. Right. Now it's ugly. But I mean, at the time, it, it the people that were interested in it, I remember it was kind of a big hit. Now it's a mocked film, but. I remember when it came out, like, people really thought highly of it. I mean, I never actually did, but... Uh, actually, people didn't really like the special effects even back in 1999. I mean, that film Aren't won the Razzie How do you know? Because the film won a Razzie for Good worst point. visual effects. That's how I know. Yeah, Oscar-winning movies win Razzies all the time, so that doesn't really mean nothing. But honestly... Um, yeah, but the problem with the remake is that it relied way too much on visual effects. It didn't really care about the story or the characters. So it's basically like every Hollywood movie made right Which now. Which is what I said earlier. <laughs> yeah. I'm just of... trying to tell you that not every single remake is visually appealing. No, I understand that. But it's still more visually appealing than the than the previous incarnation. Because no matter how shitty the CGI was, it's still a visually better looking movie than the one set before they had any special effects. I mean, that's just a oh. fact. Okay, that's conceivable. No, that's just a fact. I don't care how you can see it. It's a fact. Fucking fact. All right. Fucking fine. fact, man. Like, look, the flat could have been the shittiest fucking remake ever, but it still visually would have been a better movie visually than the previous incarnation in the 60s. Fucking fact. Yep. Even though that would have Vincent Price, which is... Well, the, 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 the tone of the, the amazing fact, actor different. Aside from it both being called The Fly and having... um uh transportation dev- or what's a teleportation devices involved that's pretty much the only two things the two films had in common much no like it also Bob- had david cronenberg directing redirecting his own his own remake that was another thing that was very very interesting about the about the fly well, remake the, having the same director i mean that's crazy david cronenberg didn't direct the original fly he di- he directed actually he did yeah he did vincent price like, are you sure? Because David Cronenberg's first movie that he directed was a movie called Stereo. It was a art house film Which in 1968. Cronenberg? I thought Cronenberg directed both of them. No, hmm. well, the first one he directed was in 69. Was Stereo? Yeah, well, st- he did Stereo, yeah. Crimes of the Future, and Silent Wars. Uh, um, they were art house films he made in Canada, and his first major film that he made was Shivers. I think that was in 75. I'm a yeah, Cronenberg right. fanboy, bro. I mean, I know my he's, he's right. He's right on this one. He's right on this one. The, no, but you, you know, the the fact that it's still the Fly remake. I mean, you know, regardless of the, the way you want to look at it, the property name itself and the premise is still the same. So, it yeah, is a remake I mean, of the original. Pretty much, but yeah, but I mean, like another thing is, is Cronenberg did his own thing completely with itself. Oh yeah, yeah, he had, yeah, he did it through a direct adaptation, of course. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's a, I was going to compare it a lot to how, what Zack Snyder did with his Dawn of the Dead. I mean, like that's what I, I kind of like that when they make remakes more like that instead of just trying to do the new film but cut all the humor out of it and make it edgy like they did with Elm Street or some of the other ones where they basically right. just, you know, what I mean, it kind of keeps it a little more interesting. I kind of wish more people would do that with their horror remakes these days. 
Or you can go the way that did Psycho, and when they remade that, it made a, a shot-for-shot remake uh, as the original, and uh, they just used new actors to uh, replay the uh, same exact scenes. Yeah, and uh, by the way, by the way, guys, just yeah. to prove how insulting uh, Hollywood State is, they are going to remake the 1980s Scarface film. Just think about it. A remake of a remake. Oh, yeah, we, we've talked about that already. And, uh, yeah, that's another, that's yeah, another one. Yeah. A remake of a remake. They're remaking it, and it's going to come out next year. In they got that little guy from Star Wars in it. People are going to love it. I'm sorry, but uh, I can't really see how conceivable is a remake of a remake. It's going to be about a Mexican cartel leader. It's not going to be about a Cuban um, immigrant. It's going to be a completely different Scarface story, just like how yeah, the right. Tony Montana story was a, um, a retelling of the story of um, Al Capone, basically, but right. as a Cuban immigrant. This one's going to be right. about a Mexican guy who's a, uh, um, a meth dealer, from what I understand. So it's it's not okay, going to be uh, when the movie comes out. Let's see what let's see what it does. Uh, it's going to be wonderful. I'm just saying that at least it's not going to be like a shot for shot terrible remake. They're at least going to try to tell a different story with Diego Luna. They got a good actor for it. Um, the the film has been in development hell for six years now. Mm-hmm. Lots of movies have. You know how long yeah. goes in um, development hell? And I thought I'd hate that. Movie. I ended up coming out half. Dude, that movie's been in development hell since 1997. Basically, they've Which been one? trying to make live action. Ghost in the Shell. They've been oh, trying to make okay. a live action movie for that since the anime came out, and they just barely made it. And I thought I'd hate the shit out of that movie, and I actually came out half-assed liking it. So if Scarface, I, I actually really liked it. Well, that's uh, cool. I didn't think it was. Yeah, that's bully. But uh, if Scarface uh, can even pull off that half halfway. Which I think it probably can because Diego Luna's good. Um, I forgot the director, but they got actually an impressive director working on it as well. Um, I don't know, Jacqueline, you're the big Scarface fanboy. Does are you offended by this at all? No, because I don't look at it as, as a sequel or you know I don't even look at it as a remake. I look at it as just doing his own thing. It's uh, you know it doesn't bother me. Uh, you know at first I was a little bit bugged by because I I always wanted to see a sequel to Scarface, but then when I saw that the fact that Scarface was a remake to another movie anyway, I was like you know what let him do his own thing. At least I have my Scarface uh, to fall back on. So. You kind of got your sequel though, Jackal, in the form of a video, the video game. game. Yeah, yeah. That video game's off the hook. Yeah. I'm not even a Scarface fan, but I play the shit out of that game. Guys, we're almost out of time. We got Richard. Jordan. Donna waiting in the wings here, so let's uh, go over the top ten list uh, for the movies this weekend. The box office results are in, and uh, I wanted to give that out before we go off air and uh, let Rich Giordano take over. Uh, top ten tonight, and uh, number ten, The House, brought in $1.7 million. Uh, it's a Warner Brothers product. I've never seen it. Uh, it's with Will Ferrell and uh, Amy Poehler, and uh, hmm. it looks pretty funny, but I haven't seen it yet, so... Um, Will Ferrell, yeah. I'll watch it on video. It's Will Ferrell's. I'll watch it. Yeah, I'll let you all see it. Uh, number nine and, uh, tumbling from number five last week, number nine this week with 2.7 million Transformers The Last Night, which we didn't get to talk about this week, but we'll talk about it next weekend. I'm sure we'll I have hope that our piece. Some bombs badly. I don't know, that looks pretty fun. I, I've actually kind of had fun with all well, the Transformers movies so far. Uh, it's, it's already, uh, no, it's I, already, I, it's already past broken even. It, hold on. It's already past broken even as in the, in the profit zone, so it's not bombing at all. It's making money, so. Boom. Go, yeah, Michael Bay, my homie. Yeah, Ooh. the mic has been dropped. Number eight this but week. Then uh, Wonder Woman th- smashed oh, it. Let me get through my list, goddammit. Number eight this week, uh, right. down from six last week, Cars 3 with 3.1 million. And uh, I haven't seen that either. Number seven, uh, new this week, Wish Upon with uh, 5.5 uh, million. And that's uh, starring 
Joey King, uh, Hai Kung Lee, and Ryan Phillippe, who's alive. Holy shit, Ryan Phillippe's alive. Well, that's how I saw him. He was in straight-to-video movies with 50 Cent. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 Back he, in the theaters, good for him. <laughs> yeah, he's living in the nice. theaters. Look at that. Number six this week, coming from number four last week with 6.8 million, Wonder Woman! Ow, ow. Yeah, t- domestic total of $380 million, folks. On, that uh, film fucking bombed uh, BVS in the box office. Yeah, no shit. Uh, worldwide, $764 million and still kicking. So Wonder Woman is uh, kicking ass. And there you go, strong woman character in theaters that can make a lot of money. And it's an, an original character. It's not a, a gender swap. All right, that's what we want to see more of. That, all right, give me a, give me what we already love. Don't give me something that we have to conform to, and you know, you know, whatever. Number five this week. Hot. She's hot. Yeah, so. whatever. Number five this week, and actually uh, moving up a couple of notches from number eight last week, the big sick with seven point six million. I haven't seen that, but I uh, moved up a couple of notches. Not too bad. It's got sixteen million. It's very good from a lot of snobby people I know, so it's probably going to be pretty decent film. Hey, produced by Judd Apatow, so I'll end up watching that. I'm just saying. Who's Judd Apatow? He made, like, Knocked Up, Superbad. You'll, you'll, find, you'll find out later. And number four this uh, week. I liked uh, Superbad, but that's, but my that's God, fantastic. Number four this week, and uh, tell me from number three last week, is Baby Driver, which I just saw and loved, by the way, guys. Yeah. Baby Driver. Amazing right? film. Right. Great movie. It's uh, eight million this week, eight point seven to be exact. Domestic total is seventy three million, which uh, on a thirty four million dollar budget, that movie's a hit. It's had uh, about almost a hundred million dollars worldwide already. So uh, yeah, that that movie's a brilliant hit for Mr. Edgar Wright. Uh, good thing he's uh, not you know living in the in the gutter somewhere after what happened with Ant Man. He's able to still make good movies and he's bouncing uh, back. Did nicely. you know that he? Uh... He actually refuses to see Ant-Man because he said it would be like watching his ex having sex. Well, I'm hoping and, he makes Monster Trucks Part 2. Yes. Number three this week, Despicable Me 3. Dropping down from number two, Despicable Me 3. I was very three. disappointed by that film. But in 18... Uh, Eighteen million dollars this week. It's got a hundred and eighty-seven million worldwide. I mean, domestically so far, uh, four hundred and thirty-one million outside of here. So six hundred and nineteen total worldwide. That's a big hit for Despicable Me three. And uh, number two this week, down from number one last week, Spider-Man: Homecoming with forty-five million domestic total already at two hundred and eight million. And uh, let me see out of here, 261. So it's got a worldwide total of 469 in two weeks. That's pretty damn good. It's going to make a billion dollars. Everybody knows it's going to make a billion no, dollars. No, it'll probably end up like around 800 million worldwide, which is a You don't good, think it'll do a number. bill? Wow. I would have no, I don't, no, I don't think so. I never thought from the yeah. game about 800, 900 million on their tops worldwide, which is good. That's a good number to start off. I, yeah, no, I think maybe the sequel, the sequel would probably hit a billion. But not the first one. And uh, this week, number one, the new uh, and new this week, number one, War for the Planet of the Apes. Pow, pow. Apes which, together. Which, while it's Strong. number one, it, it's uh, debuted a little soft. as 56 million 
uh, which is a, it's a little soft for the opening of uh, this movie, so I'm a little dis- disappointed. Uh, hopefully, he has legs uh, strong enough to you know make it a profitable film. Uh, but uh, 56 million for the award of the Planet of the Apes, which looks phenomenal, starting with Woody Harrelson and Andy Serkis. Uh, let's hope again that it has uh, strong legs. But uh, man, I can't wait to see this movie. We're going to review it next week, right here yeah. on the Roundtable Show, guys. We're all out of time, unfortunately. With that, uh, the top 10 list for the week, we are going to wrap up. And uh, next on the uh, ta- on the uh, network here is the one and only Rich Jordan with the paranormal code so stick around for that show it's going to be on live within the next few minutes and as always for the round table for everybody on here i am angel espino for zod rider johnny alpha jasim and jason justice stay uh classy yep watch uh, monster truck see you later guys good night y'all peace out